Thursday, October the 14th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everyone's having a nice week. We got a fun one for you. NFL Week 6 Game Previews with Eric. We're going to do a preview of the Lakers with our good friend Alex Regla, who joins us to talk a little Laker basketball for about a half an hour. We jump into Friday Keeneland. We go through the last five races on the Keeneland card for Friday. Same thing for Saturday. We do that, uh, uh, excuse me, for Friday Keeneland. For Friday Santa Anita, we also hit the last five on Santa Anita's Friday card. Then we jump to Saturday for Keeneland Best Bets. Saturday Santa Anita best bets and we close things out wrestling with chad cooper we hit the news what's going on in aew smackdown raw and nxt on this episode of that's what g said podcast that is brought to you by better than dot vegas give them a follow at btv bets and turn those notifications on they provide live stream free analysis free previews for all the football games on monday on thursday on sunday fantasy football information the website better than dot vegas provides free videos from handicappers all over the world doesn't cost you a cent to subscribe or to listen in for all of that information at betterthan.vegas. They want to help you become a better, better, giving away money every single day at BTV. And uh, we're going to jump right into NFL Week 6 with Eric. We get to uh, every game on the Sunday and Monday slate for Week 6 NFL. Kick back and enjoy as we go game by game, giving you our thoughts on the uh, the betting line, the, the total, fantasy information, analysis, recap info, numbers to play, play against, things that we've locked in. We share it all with you here on That's What G Said. Coming up, it's Eric talking NFL Week 6. NFL week six and we are finally to the point where we uh, we get some buys and we have less games the the season kind of feels a little bit real Eric once you get to that bye week now from a fantasy perspective things get a little difficult and you know something to keep an eye on like next week there's a lot of high profile fantasy teams or teams with a lot of fantasy players on buy so you want to get a get ahead there but man we, we we talk about it each week we're already into week six. It is flying by last week. 27 missed kicks, 13 missed extra points, the most ever in a single week in the Super Bowl era in NFL history. So what we love about sports, you feel like, I mean, we've watched every baseball, basketball, football game possible. We've seen it all, right, Eric? No, there's always something that you haven't seen in sports. I mean, it's always something, you know, week after week. That's why we all tune in and watch. and it's. Why it's the most popular sport in America right now So we got four uh, week six buys coming up We've got the Falcons, the Saints, the Jets, and the 49ers All on their buy And uh, as Eric and I are recording this It is still early on Thursday morning We're not going to talk about the Thursday night game though Just because by the time I get this show out It might be right before There won't be a whole ton of time for you to listen And a big thank you to Eric for uh, recording this early for me Because I've got the Dodger game later tonight I didn't want to I didn't want to be the splitting my attention during the game So we're going to get you a nice focused uh, edition of, uh, of That's what G said in our football preview with Eric um, So Eric, we start out with uh, with London, baby we're heading to London, and I mean, are are these two teams the two worst teams in football? I mean, they're they're in the bottom four in my power rankings. I mean, they're they're pretty bad, like really, really bad. <laughs> they're really, 
real. So, hey, London, here you go. <laughs> they always do this, right? Take a look at our product, our great NFL product here. We've got two teams that are uh, really struggling. And you, you look at Miami. Uh, the Dolphins actually had a pretty good game last week. W- Offensively, they can move the ball through the air, which everybody could do against Tampa. Th- that Tampa secondary is so bad. They actually made Brissett look, you know, competent. He was 27 for 39, 275 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That really wasn't his fault. Gaskin caught 10 passes out of the backfield for 74 yards and two touchdowns, but they just they couldn't run the ball at all, which nobody really can against Tampa. Um the the line. Not good. 47 pass protection snaps. The starting five allowed 14 pressures. D-line was not very good either. Secondary was awful. They have the worst point differential in the league. But in this situation, what's a little bit interesting is they're going to London. And at least the Miami Dolphins have a good coach and are a team of adult football players. In this situation, you talked about this a lot last week with... You know, you have this young team, the Jets, they're coming off of a win. They're going to London. You have no idea how they're going to respond. At least we know Matt Ryan and the Falcons are sort of like an adult football team. I don't know if I'm going to play this game. I think right now Miami is laying is a three and a half point favorite on the road. I'm seeing around 47 or so for the total. Yeah, that's the numbers I got. I mean, the thing, the thing that sticks out for me is a couple of things. Number one, we're seeing how defensive Turnover regression changes from year to year. Last year, the Dolphins got every single turnover. Everything. And it just, you can't sustain it. It doesn't, it's not sustainable. Same thing happened with the Bears D a few years ago when they were really awesome. And the next year, they regressed. The Steelers D, it just, you can't get and count on defensive touchdowns and scores. Yeah. And this puts more pressure on the offense. And, you know, Bursette is a, He's a journeyman backup quarterback. I mean, I like I like him. I think he has a, a strong arm, but that's what he is. Tua is hurt. He may play. He really isn't the guy. Um, my rule is when I got two shitty teams playing against each other, I always look to take the points. And the big matchup here is I feel that the Jags have a distinctive advantage in their run offense versus the Dolphins' line of scrimmage, point of attack. They'll be able to get the push. But on the flip side of me, you and I have talked, like, messaging back and forth. Both of us think Urban's getting fired after the game. So how much are the Jags really going to put up, you know what I mean, put up that effort if they know their coach is out the next game? I want to take the Jags here, but at three, you know, I'm just I'm just going to pass the whole offense the Jags ran. How the hell do Dan Arnold and Agreu get a combined 16 targets when Jones and Shinnok against the Titans only had a combined 13 targets. How do you have a six foot six, a six foot six quarterback back to back weeks on the goal line? You do not run a quarterback sneak. That's he doesn't boggling to me. He said he doesn't really know how to do it. That's what he said. His his coach is like, so prepare him to do it. What do you mean he doesn't know how to do it? And, and th- the thing that would be crazy is like We're not talking about like Some quarterback that they never He runs all the time He runs and, all the time <laughs> And James Robinson He's that dude Like he I know. Drafted. He's that dude And the fact you're fourth and one on the goal line Fine, you don't want to run the quarterback sneak You give the ball to freaking Carlos effing Hyde Is just mind-boggling to me And it's getting to the point now that Lawrence is a really able to feel the process between in front of the 20 yard line. 
But once you get to the constricted field, he can't process the whole field. No. That's why he's starting just to one read, not there, just go. And Meyer's really starting to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Prohibit mm-hmm. Lawrence's long-term development. He's holding him back. Gonna, which is going to hurt the Jaguars in the long run. Jaguars need to make a change like ASAP. Right away. And this is this is what's concerning in people, the people that say, oh, why? who cares between now and the end of the season? It's the development. This is one thing that was bothering me all the time with um, with USC, with Clay Helton over the last few years, where it's not even the wins and losses this year. It's that, hey, if you're a Jaguars fan, your future right now is Lawrence. You don't want this kid to get ruined. Whatever the habits are, right? We we look at someone, we watch someone, Peyton Manning threw a million interceptions in his rookie year, but he had good habits still. You could see it. You do not want Lawrence to develop these bad habits. And honestly, that's not just the kind of guy you want leading your locker room, right? A bunch not of at all. 18 uh, to 25, 20, you know, 25 to 30 year old men who are in the most important growing years of their life. You coach young kids all the time. Like, yeah. You have to be able to relate to who you're coaching. I coach kids for as young as a 10-year-old girl to kids that are still in college right now. I still interact, still work with them and everything. You have to be able to, like, they have to be able to respect you, but you have to be able to relate to them. And after that whole thing, like, for him just to say, hey, guys, I'm going to stay here, that, like, gives a message to the players that my family is more important to you. And, you know. You're supposed to be my family right now. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just a bad look. They just need to make the switch. The Jaguars missed an extra point in a 53 yard field goal early last week. They hadn't made a field goal since last year. Um, they and like, I, I direct messages on Twitter saying, hey, I want a media pass just so I can ask some questions about the offense. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't gotten a reply yet. No, res- you know, no response. Yet. No, no response. Um, yeah, they had more total yards and yards per play than the Titans. But they're just three of ten on third down, one of three on fourth down, and they had two turnovers and none for Tennessee. Like if that happens in a game, you're gonna lose. It and doesn't I mean, matter. That that goal line carry that Hyde got, that cuts that game to one possession, puts insane pressure on the Titans. That totally flipped the game. In my mind, this Jaguars team should have beat the Cardinals. They should have beat the Bengals. And I really think they should have beat this Titans game if they would have um got that fourth and uh fourth and goal. You mentioned Robinson was awesome. 18 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. He had a long of 58. He averaged six yards after contact per rushing attempt, which is just nuts. And uh, one more note before we move on. Trevor Lawrence, uh, he had two turnover-worthy plays, so he's now got 11 through five games, which are the most in the NFL based on pro football focus. So he's 0-5 this year. He was a combined 86-4 and in high school and at Clemson. And he's he's 0-5 this year, so he's lost more games in the first five weeks of his NFL career than he did in uh, 90 games combined in high school and, and in college. Just different world, different world when you're at playing the, with play, the play, Playing with the big boys. Highest level here, totally different world as we move uh, to a different country. We move from London back to the U.S. as we go to the Bengals and the Lions here. Let's talk about your Detroit Lions. Eric. Oh my gosh, man. The Lions, they play feisty again. I love, love. Now, the time of the of the game, I think there were like 37 seconds left when the Lions scored to go up. And so a, a lot of the 
the cards that you look at or the numbers and stuff say that maybe that's not the best time to go for two because then what it does is it forces the Vikings to get a little bit aggressive. They don't have to go that far just to kick a field goal. They can likely do that. But all of that being said, even if that decision specifically in that case was the wrong one for this team, for the lions, that was the right decision. That was a, Hey, let's go win this game right now. I want to rally the troops. I like the fact that he said, I want to, I, you know, who are we? We're the Lions. Who cares if we're 0 and 5, 1 and 4? Let's try to win this game. Let's go for two. And then, and then the, the Vikings drive the ball. The Vikings, who are one of the teams with the worst kicking luck in recent history in the NFL, and they somehow hit a game winner on you. This is just unbelievable. I know. It's just inventing new ways to lose week after week after week. I think like second, they're the first team in NFL history to lose on two walk-off 50-plus yarders in the same season, which is just And it's only five weeks in. It could very well happen two more times this year. (laughs) Which is blowing my mind. Um, But you know what? Dan Campbell, I'll give him credit. He's A, doing way better than I thought he would do. Um, I don't think he's the long-term answer as a coach, but the coach that they need right now to kind of lay the foundation and get everyone having the right mindset, I think that's worth He's not screwing anybody up. No, you no, I think. Like, I don't look at him and think that he's doing what Urban's doing or what maybe, you know, he, you don't feel like, hey, we need to get this guy out of the room. He's, you said, it's like a relationship, right? You're not supposed to marry everyone you meet. Some people, they're supposed to help get you to the next person, you know, or they're supposed to help get you through a point of your life and you're supposed to help them and they're supposed to help you. That's kind of what it feels like Campbell's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think for what they need, he's doing a, a good job. Um, in his presser, he didn't make an interesting comment about the golf turnovers. He said they're going to simplify the playbook. So that I expect, I expect this game, they're going to lead heavy on the rushing attack. Their center, Frank the Tank, who in my eyes is the best center in the game. He's on IR. He's going to miss the whole year. But they're getting Taylor back, and Sewell's healthy. He played last week. So I expect them to lean on that offensive line, get a heavy rushing attack. The stat that really stuck out to me, and I love the Aaron Glenn Glenn hire from the Saints, he has this team creating pressure. They're top five in pressure rate, and they really don't have, like, a dominating um, pass rusher, which is mind-boggling to me. So I think he's doing – a good job with the limited amount of talent the Lions have. Um, football to me is all about situational betting, situational week-to-week stuff. Bengals just came off an emotional game against the Packers, where if you really do a deep dive into the box score and rewatch the game, they actually kind of got dominated in that game. They were outproduced. By they should have gotten killed. Yeah. yeah, they should have gotten crushed. Yeah. It honestly came all down to the missed kicks. Yeah, really they did. got completely dominated. And who does this young team, the Bengals, have on deck? The Baltimore Ravens. This is kind of like the situations the Ravens were in a couple weeks ago when um, I think they just beat Kansas City, and then they had to fly to Detroit. This is the same situation. I love the Lions here. I locked in the plus three and a half. I'm going to also have a money line parlay with the Lions and a team we'll get to later. Yeah, the Lions ran the ball okay. 108 yards on 4.5 yards per attempt. Um, keep an eye on Amon Ra, St. Brown with the wide receiver injuries. He is starting to really move him, move himself up the depth chart. He had seven receptions, 65 yards. What I like is he had five catches that resulted in first downs. So not just garbage, meaningless catches, big catches, moving the sticks type catches. 
Goff's got to improve a little bit Like you said he struggled last week So simplifying the playbook for him could help a little He got sacked four times last week Yeah I definitely couldn't play the Bengals here um, In this spot And just something to keep in mind I believe four out of their five games so far Have ended on, by um, on, on exactly a three point margin The Bengals Yeah <laughs> They, so they every, almost all their games They beat the crap out of the Steelers And the other four games have been decided by three So they're yep. all within a field goal They play close games They are the type of team that I wouldn't want to lay But I wouldn't mind playing as like a feisty underdog You know, if they're a three and a half point dog Like in the situation they were last week Against Green Bay They're at home They're a little bit of a dog They, you know, and, and so they're feisty But like you said, I don't I'm I don't, actually, like I think this week in Survivor is really tough I'm actually contemplating taking the Lions here. As crazy as it sounds, a zig, I'm a zig play. Taking the Lions just because A, I think it's a flat spot. B, we really haven't had that week yet where shit just hits the fan. I mean, you no. look at these lines, there's a lot of like the books like daring you to do teasers with certain teams. The um bet online, which I use the most of out of any sports book. They had their second, what was it, their second worst week in terms of lost money. So I really think like this is the week because the public killed it last week where shit's really going to hit the fan. That's why I'm kind of thinking outside the box with my survivor pick. Jamar Chase has been awesome for the Bengals. Uh, 159 yards last week on six catches. He's now seventh in the league in receiving yards. He was responsible for all four of Cincinnati's explosive pass plays uh, of 15 plus yards. So he has 12 of those now on the season, which is tied for the most by a rookie in the first five games of their NFL career in the pro football focus era. He has been awesome. But they did struggle a little bit on the offensive line That's give and take, right? They picked Chase, and so with an awesome Chase The offensive line is still going to have some struggles Because they weren't able to get you know, top-tier offensive linemen to fill in there And the thing that just scares me with this team still, Eric Is um, is Taylor, you know? It's some play calling Why are you running draws with Burrow After he just has had a couple crazy injury scares? He had a neck thing, and, and he gets all tangled up And he... You're continuing to run. It's funny. You they run him up the middle when this guy shouldn't, and Lawrence isn't running up the middle when he has no reason to not take quarterback sneaks. It's just it's sort of bizarre. It's to me. Like, and I, I'm looking yeah. right here. Taylor's two and fourteen straight up. Two and fourteen straight up on the road. Like there is no way you can back this guy on the road as a do- as a favorite laying more than yeah. a, a field goal. Um, and I'm I'm concerned about P Ryan got hurt. Last week and Mixon was banged up Entering the game he only had 10 carries For 33 yards they may not have a very kind of Competent backfield This week if they're you know dealing With a lot of injury issue issues maybe You get a bigger Tyler Boyd game in The slot maybe you get a, a, some some short stuff Out of him because the you know they're not Running the ball all that much but yeah Definitely not on the Bengals side here I would lean Lions but not a real strong play For me as we move to the Chiefs Washington football team the total in this game is 55 and a half. The Chiefs are a six and a half point favorite on the road here. Oh, I've got a lot of things to say about that Washington game last week. I got to say, it's weird because they lost 33-22. Of every game I've bet this year, that game pissed me off the most, betting on the Washington side. Even though they lost by 11 points. Even though, even though it looks like, oh, come on, they got. You dig into this game, they should have won this game by double digits. Against the Saints It was mind-boggling On the first New Orleans Saints drive 
Washington gets an easy interception It sets up a short field at the New Orleans 31 They can't get a touchdown They only get three points So they get a field goal there New Orleans gets the ball next 72 yard pass And unbelievable Right off the bat They blow a huge coverage Then Washington gets the ball They end up driving All the way down to the five And have to kick a field goal So now they got a gift Turnover, field goal They drive all the way down to the five Field goal New Orleans It's 7-6 Because New Orleans hits their bomb Third drive for New Orleans They get a sack And they they get the fumble And score a touchdown So now it's 13-7 Washington at this point Could very easily be up Who knows 21-7 You know Washington gives up another Big drive for a touchdown They gave up an actual Hail Mary At the end of the half Like an actual Hail Mary It was tied 13-13 at one point Washington goes for it on 4th and 10 from the New Orleans 35 And then they give up the the Hail Mary at the end of the half It was unbelievable Because if you if you take that Hail Mary out Washington forced 3 straight punts to start the half And they had forced 2 punts before There would have been 6 consecutive drives where the Saints didn't do anything Yet they ended up getting that Hail Mary And that screwed up the entire game This... This team feels like they're 0 and 5, yet they're still 2 and 3, Washington. And, or, uh, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know what to do with this team because offensively, they move the ball. Every game I handicap of theirs, it feels like, wow, that's a game that they should have won. I want to come back and play them back this week. But this defense, Eric, they're so, so bad Heineke actually played pretty poor last week He was 20 of 41, he had two interceptions He targeted Terry Mack 11 times And they only hooked up four times um, The secondary Just awful Awful, I just don't know what to do with this team I mean Their defense is a nightmare The front four is not getting enough pressure um, They're just making silly basic mistakes That they just weren't making last year Heineke, my buddy calls him one read Heineke because he just makes one read and then if it's not there, it's not there. Um, but this just comes like I made that comment earlier that the books with some of these lines are kind of daring you to, to do stuff. I look at this line, I lock it in at, at Washington plus seven. This is kind of like the books daring you to, te- to tease to tease this down to six and a half. It's like, go ahead, tease it. We dare you to. With the, how bad this Chiefs defense is, why? How can you trust them lane seven? It's basically, if you take the Chiefs, you have the mindset that the Chiefs, when Washington gets in the red zone, because they will be able to get in the red zone on this defense, will limit them to field goals. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Washington's going to be able to score on them. I think Young, against the offensive line that isn't healthy, is going to be able to make Mahomes a little bit uncomfortable. I like the football team here, plus the seven. Anything could- seven or north, you got to take it. That's the number where you you jump on the football team If they're getting the touchdown at home The Chiefs I I can't back them Laying that many points They had a 17 play opening drive And they just kicked a field goal They ended up putting Clyde Edwards-Alaire on IR Who it was not as if he was doing a whole lot for them any, uh, Anyways you never like to have but an injury I think their offense is going to be better like Because they're not going to feel forced yet. To get him involved right I yeah. think it's one of those situations where You spent a, dra- a first round draft pick on this guy And it's it's almost like Hey look we gotta show you that we can use him And we know how to use him right They don't just want to completely Abandon hit him Now they don't have to really about wor- wor- worry about Forcing it but 
I mean, this team is is their defense has never been incredible, right? They've always been a defense that you could score on, but they were able to make big plays. This year, their offense just isn't as smooth. Andy Reid, he's not calling as great at games. Mahomes, he's just he's not as sharp as he has been before. They had four more turnovers in this game. I mean, they were down 24-13 in a game that was never close, honestly. It was really never close. But this is gonna be this is kind of like like I made that comment to you about um the Browns. But this is what happens when a rookie, when a quarterback comes off his rookie deal, the the talent on the team goes down. Mahomes is off his rookie deal now, so they can't afford the pieces around him to have the defensive playmakers, the um, the offensive line production that they did in years past. So this is what happens: like your window to win and, in the NFL is really really small. And if and when that window is up, you better be damn good about how you draft and how you put your team together. You have no margin for error. Because exactly, like, and that's why the Hilaire pick was awesome. was horrible. Yeah. It makes no sense. Any you could, and you said this from the moment that he got drafted, is that that's that's a player that you can find all over the NFL. There are scatbacks like that all over the NFL. It's J.D. McKissick, exactly. I, honestly. Like there, and 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 that was you could have gotten so much more of a solid defensive lineman, someone in the secondary, a backer, someone on your offensive line. A piece that's not as sexy, but a piece that would have helped your team so much more. They didn't do that. Now they're, like you said, they're, the money with how they have to pay everybody on their team is going to start to become really, really difficult now. You better, yeah, you, you got to capitalize on those draft picks and on those you know, off-season moves. They did not do it. At seven, I'm jumping in on Washington. Um, six and a half, I'd probably stay away Seven's the number that I would need to jump in there on Washington Their defensive line did play better last week too So keep in mind that they uh, Young was excellent He had six pressures, a strip sack They had four of their defensive line with three or more pressures Maybe they're starting to kind of figure it out I'm not putting any, any confidence in their defense But at a big number, they can move the ball enough to, to keep this game close So uh, I definitely would lean Washington side We'll see what that number ends up uh, Kind of finalizing out at later in the week As we move to Vikings Panthers So we've got the Vikings as a one point favorite on the road Playing the Panthers 46 total in this game Oh Sammy Darnold who He's had a better than Sam, Like he's had a good start to the year For him through the first four weeks Week five was not good Week five was not good he he played really really poorly, and you and I have had a couple conversations about Sam, you know, you know, off off air too. And I think it just shows you that there are so many of these guys in the NFL that are just a guy that they 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 have to be in the right place in the right time in the right situation. And if things aren't going well for them, they're in trouble. There's probably seven quarterbacks that you would like go to war with. No matter what, right? That you'd say like, okay, I'll take this one No matter what Other than that, it's all situation It's if you're in the right place If you're in the right time Like Sam Darnold He is, when they've got McCaffrey When the Panthers defense is fully healthy When this team is completely 100% We saw through the first few weeks They can they can beat, you know, fine teams They can be an above average football team I think without McCaffrey when when Sam has to try to do a little bit too much, if there is pressure at all, he uh, he has a tough time. You know, we talked about Heineke. He has a tough time progressing. He's just very simple and basic. I do give Sam a little bit more leeway, as I mentioned to you, because Sam got shitty coaching. 
for a long time at USC with Helton, and then he went over to Adam Gase in the Jets. So I'm sure there are probably a lot of really bad habits that he has that they have to kind of, like, you know, like we were saying, we don't want Lawrence to develop them. You got to nip those in the bud before they even grow. This is, it's kind of crap or get off the pot time in the next, you know, the, the rest of this year. Because if you're the Panthers, I think you got to figure out, is this your guy over the next five or six weeks? Um, it, it's a good I, question. Yeah. I, he struggles with pressure in his face. And I mean, that's what he does. the Eagles do. The Eagles brought pressure in his face. Um, I don't have it in front of me, of course, the legal pad. I wrote all those stuff down. I think it was like 52% completion percentage. 21 um, of 37, one touchdown, three interceptions. Oh. Hit zero big-time throws and three turnover-worthy plays. I mean, that 52% I just mentioned, that's with pressure. And that's one of the lowest in the leagues. Um, he had four INTs with pressure in his face. Like, he just can't, like, quickly process the field when they have tons of information uh, coming at him. And he was the reason they lost that game. Eagles were oh, doing yeah. nothing offensively, you know. And then a couple INTs, Eagles got some momentum, block punt. That, you know, that's the game. And this game just comes down to me as – who do you trust better? Do you trust Cousins or do you trust Darnold with pressure in their face? I trust Cousins more than I trust Darnold, but I can't lay points on the on the road. I mean, I know, do, I know it's and we don't one. know yet. We think we're thinking McCaffrey is going to be back. It's 50-50 from what because he was last week. They said he was better, but they're they're being pretty cautious with him. As, as makes sense. And honestly, I don't. We talk about it all the time. We just talked about how Clyde edwards helaire and and I don't think necessarily drafting a running back or that you know. You know, signing a running back to a big deal is smart, but for this team, they need McCaffrey yes. because Sam and- Sam can't do it. Like we said, they can be a a nine win team and beat like they can win this game with McCaffrey. Yeah. You know, they can and win I mean, these kind of games, but they're not a good like a good good football team yet. They still have a lot a lot to improve on. And in terms of the Vikings, this is their season. I mean, they need to win this game because they have the Panthers. They go by, and then after that, they have Cow- Cowboys home. Then they have back-to-back road road games at Baltimore, at Chargers to come back for the Green Bay, and then at San Francisco. That's a tough little stretch. If they lose this game, playoff hopes are shot. So I mean, this is a must-win game, as crazy as it sounds for the Vikings. Gun to my head, I take the Vikings, but I think I'm gonna sit this one out. Yeah, they got a little lucky last week too, and sometimes that gives you a you know a second lease on life. They scored twelve of their nineteen points from field goal range. They kicked the game winning fifty four yard field goal to beat the your Lions nineteen seventeen. Cousins was fine, twenty five for thirty four, two hundred seventy five yards and a touchdown. He did have an interception. He had three big time throws, zero turnover worthy plays. Madison was very good filling in, but. He almost blew the game. Um, he fumbled the ball late, and that was what ended up letting the Lions take the lead. He did have 113 yards on 25 carries, seven catches for 40 yards. Big game for Jefferson. He had seven catches on eight targets. The O-line was fine. You kind of mentioned that you uh, you figured their O-line would get better as the season went on with new, um, with new scheme and with new coaching on the O-line. They were fine. Pass blocking, just one sack. Run blocking, only eight. Uh, run blocking, Needs to improve a little bit uh, D-line played awesome Particularly Griffith and Hunter They were uh, putting a lot of pressure on And that is what scares me about this game Because Carolina's offensive line is Has been really bad Not one of the interior Offensive linemen last week played well And I was looking at uh, y- You do your um, Your rankings 
um, and, and a lot of the position and tier rankings Pro Football Focus just did their um, offensive line rankings again And they've got the Panthers at 29 right now Already had its problems before reshuffling, moving right tackle Taylor Moulton The uh, units loaned right spot to left tackle because the team didn't trust Brady Christensen there um, Lowest pro football focus, single game of his season Christensen allowed six total pressures uh, it Just not, not good for them up front And having to play against a, a Vikings D-line that's seeming like they're finding themselves right now I'm a Panthers fan, like I said, I, I played a lot of the Panthers season long stuff For them to possibly make the playoffs, for them to uh, go over Which was, uh, their total was seven and a half I, I gotta see them back out on the field with McCaffrey I just, it's a confidence thing too for Sam I think he just knows when that guy's lighting up next to him It makes things a little bit easier And I think the wheels start spinning in Sam's head sometimes Before, like you're saying, like He's looking around and you can see him getting the happy feet sometimes Before it even happens, you know um, we'll see what what Sammy can do. This is a big game for both of these teams because if you're Carolina, you had such a great start to the year. You don't want to throw this game away. You don't want to end up being three and three now after six when you were three and zero. Oh. So you threw away last week's game against Philly. You have to get this win here and go to four and two. And if you're the Vikings, this like you said, this is your season. You cannot go to two and four. You can't be a couple of games behind Green Bay and, and compares. Yeah, I mean this is. Must win for Carolina. They had, but I mean, when you look at Carolina's schedule, first year, first quarterback start in the NFL on the road. Saints in the ultimate fade spot, and then Davis's Mills first start. I mean, they they got pretty lucky with their schedule, and that's why I played them. That was for them in Denver. That was exactly why, because you sort of figured with those two teams, they would get out to a good start. Unfortunately for both of them, the injury bug hit, and and they're not good enough teams. To sustain injuries and win games Denver and Carolina Both have to be firing on all cylinders Because their defense is good And their offense is just eh In order for them to you know To win so we'll see if Denver- Now is Gilmore, is Gilmore going to be able to play Like I think I was looking for that and it's going to be Interesting for me because He wasn't very good last point. year let's be honest yeah. My buddy made this point Gilmore wasn't really Gilmore until they got to the Patriots Yeah so, and I, he mean, was, I don't know, like, how much he's going to help. He's um, pissed off about money stuff, too, you know, and, and extensions. Who knows if going to the pay, uh, the Panthers is going to – you have no idea. I don't know. Who knows if it's just going to be an automatic addition and a big plus. Um, we talked about this last week. I like it from a – the Panthers telling their team, hey, we're making moves. We think we can win. So I like yeah. that aspect of it. I just don't know how much he's going to actually help on the field. Exactly. Let's exactly. get to Texans Colts. So we've got the Colts as a 10 point favorite at home playing the Texans. 43 is the total in this one. I mean, okay, I backed the Colts on, on Monday, and I really do feel bad for them because Carson Wentz played awesome. Eric, we ripped this guy a lot, and, and he's had some crazy weird issues over. This is the kind of the guy who we thought coming into the year he might be with this team. He looked really, really good. He was 25 of 35, 402 yards, two touchdowns, 11.5 yards per attempt. It's the highest figure of his career in six years. The most yards per attempt he's ever had. He was not just dinking and dunking. He made a couple big throws across the middle of the field, like like really nice routes that he hit. 
The wide receivers were playing well Pittman had 6 catches, 89 yards and a touchdown He had 4 first down catches The O-line played well They ran the ball for 4.7 yards per carry 1.4 yards before contact Taylor had 15 carries for 53 yards and a touchdown He also had that big um, 76 yard run on the uh, reception He had 116 yards receiving It all came down to the kicking for them it all came down to but, the kicking, and, and the first, the early in the game, right again, they drove down and they couldn't get, they couldn't score in the red zone. I mean, this is how I look at this game. Like a, like you and I talk all the time. One of my biggest things: interdivisional games, team on the road, getting over seven, automatic lock for me. So for that Short being week. said, I love the Texans here. You have the Colts basically playing the best game. They, they looked played. awesome, and everybody saw it on Monday Night Football. <laughs> and Wentz, like, looked good, like you said, but they still lost. And I just, it comes down to me, like, A, I'm, I never thought I'd say this. If I were to rank the rookie quarterback's performances from last week, I have Davis Mills number one. He no played the best it. out of any, any was, rookie last week. He outplayed he Mac, is, no doubt about pro- it. He is progressing, and that's... That is great to see because I love to see like the you know because he got hit hard for that pick because everyone's like why are you picking him you're going to be awful next year you have a top pick in the draft and he is looking great and that's what has me scared about taking the Colts in this in the in the Survivor I think the Texans actually could straight up win this game my mind right is a complete and utter moron you sign Naheem Hines to this huge extension this huge deal make my top ten. Paid running back in the in the league. Not even my him. eyes, he's yeah, exactly. He's in my eyes in terms of third down running backs, pass catching running backs. I think he's the best right now in the league. And isn't and there something not using him at, at all, especially against the Ravens with how the Ravens play, bringing the blitz? You, we saw it. What was it? The first or second play for a series, perfect whatever. Perfect with Taylor. Seven, yeah. Why aren't you doing that with Hines? And then at the end of the game. You play to win. That's why I love this Brit, uh, Staley guy from the Chargers. This kid, this coach, plays to win. Frank Wright, you're playing with a field goal kicker who has a hip injury. Like, what Like what are you doing? You know what I mean? Play to win the game, get the touchdown, game over, move on. I can't back this Colts team. I'm going to take the Texans plus a 10, and I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Can, this is the perfect spot to play against them. I, I genuinely feel bad that the Colts didn't win that game, and you got to come back and play right against them. You have to because everybody saw that it's as good as they could possibly have looked. They still lost. That's like a emotional. I mean, could you imagine when I, you look? You saw the look on like Wentz's face, and then when you saw that field goal not go in, and you you knew it was going to happen when the Colts were playing to kick a field goal there at the end of the game. You just you knew the guy was going to miss it, and you could get the sense that they were going to come back. As, as soon as that the field goal got blocked, the next one got edge. You could just uh, it was exactly it, like the one the Titans played for the field goal against the Jets a couple weeks ago. Exactly, you played the same a win, thing. and you could just see that coming. And it's a bummer because, like you said, the Texans played some good football. Their opening drive was more than ten minutes last week, four point four yeah. yards per play. They converted three of three on third down and a fourth down. Davis Mills entered week five as pro football focus lowest grade quarterback. He had a season high in passer rating and passing grade. The Texans were six of 14 on third, three of three on fourth. But, you know, Cully is a bad coach, but he's like, it's funny. He's like a bad coach who you can, you feel like he's trying, you know, like he just doesn't quite get it. And he just isn't the best option. Like some of these other positional coach. That's what he is. He's a positional coach. 
but with it's like Fangio fest, almost. Yeah. He's not like incompetent. He just shouldn't be a head coach. You know, he should be a coordinator. With the skill set he has of being a quarterback coach, he's going to give Mills the right tools to at least have a shot in the league. He does. Meyer, he already has. Yeah, Meyer's not going to be Meyer's not going to do that with um with Lawrence. There was that's one the big thing. One play that just changed the whole complexion of that game for the Texans too. They should have won that game. They had the punter line up under center, and then he dropped back to do a quick bunt, a quick punt, and he booted the ball into his own offensive lineman's head. That was, now that was brutal, and <laughs> that changed the game. Unfortunately, he was trying to get a little bit cute, and then the ball ended up out of bounds inside the Texans' own forty. Um, there was another play where they were up 25, 22 to 15 in the fourth, instead of going for it, they tried to kick a 56 yard field goal, that field goal missed. And, uh, of course, you know, that ends up being the game for them because the Patriots come back and tie it and then they win the game. Their defensive line couldn't really create a whole lot of pressure, even with the Patriots missing four offensive line starters that, that concerned me a little bit, but a hundred thousand million percent on the Texans. At plus the 10 for sure What's what's the number was, was that the number you need you said anything over 7 Is where you jumped where Anything you, over okay? 7 like anything over 7 I'll In the, Yeah I agree The 7.5 is the 10 range more than, a feel, more than a touchdown off a team Who you just feel like is going to be a little flat This week coming off of that big Baltimore game Last week um, And I mean they're banged up in the secondary I mean this this Colts team like They were losing And, and you know what that's another thing too if they probably don't get those injuries during the game, they probably win. Yeah. There were a couple oh, of secondary sure. issues during the game where it's like, oh, now Marquise Brown and Andrews are just all over the field. Yeah, that was one of the games, honestly, like I said, I feel bad. I genuinely feel bad because you watch a lot of games that you feel like that team shot shot themselves. Or, like Washington, for example, right? They just dumb mistakes, a dumb roughing the passer penalty, a dumb like personal foul penalty. The Colts weren't doing any of that. They literally just cut, like, if the kicker just made one more kick, they played really good football for a lot. And that's why it's so, like, heartbreaking that I think they're going to yeah. come back and, and have a tough one this week, you know, because there are just so many different ways to win or lose games. That game played out on Monday a hundred times. I bet you the Colts win that thing 95 of them. Oh, easily. easily. It's just the one or two times where every single thing that went wrong had to go wrong for the uh, for Ra- the Ravens to get back in that game as we move to the Rams Giants. So how about this, Eric? You backed the the Giants last week, and then uh, their quarterback, their running back, their number one wide receiver, and their best offensive lineman are all out. That's but not- I mean, like, and honestly, they still were feisty. You you watched that game before Jones got hurt. Ten ten. They were they're right in that game. So it's I mean, ten ten. You know, betting betting happens, and like that's just one of the things where, you know, betting happens. I really feel that I was on the right side. That's good. (laughs) Just is what it is. Last week, that this is the first week for me where I um I had a pretty bad week coming off of last week, and it's frustrating because you know we look back at says, man, that was a bad bet, or that was a, a stupid call on my part, or my handicap was just wrong. Every game I lost this week. I I felt 1000% like I was on the right side. You know, and this this that was one of them where it's like, yeah, we're we're 10-10 and then everybody gets hurt. How do we really know? The Cowboys didn't play all that great. 
in that game either. You know, the same thing we'll talk about Arizona in a little bit. They're another one where it's like, oh, felt like we were on the right side of that game where we are absolutely were on the right side of that game. But the Rams got a couple extra days here to uh, to prep for this. They got to go on the, you know, they got to go on the road across the country. They're a nine and a half point favorite. That's a lot. I mean, I'm just going to stay away from this game because of all the injuries and stuff. We don't know. Is it going to be Glennon and Booker playing? I mean, Tony, Kadarius Tony has actually been, looked very good for the Giants, but I just, with all the injuries. As long as he's not punching anybody. Punching, like, punching <laughs> bulls. That was funny I as mean, hell. Yeah. Here's the thing, like, a... This Giants team, they should be a lot better record-wise than they are. Um, but they just didn't win those games. You you can't do anything in this game until you know for sure if Daniel Jones is going to play. If Daniel Jones is going to play, a West Coast team laying 10 is an insane amount. 100%. Way too much. So you just can't do anything until— And you know what? The Rams' you know, defense this year is not the Rams defense as uh, is not they're as good as people think or they're definitely not as good as last year's Rams defense. Now overall I think in DVOA they're 14th. And that kind of matches what you see, right? They're just kind of like a middle of the pack defense. What what's the what's what hurts the Rams defense is that they have you know three un- unbelievable incredible defensive players, but they lost the the two safeties that they lost in the secondary to Cleveland last year that hurts them quite hurts a bit, a quite yeah, a bit. They're and, yeah, they're just like they're just okay. Mm-hmm. They're not a bad defense. They're just not like oh, you got terrified of the Rams defense when you played them this year. So I mean, I look at if Danny Dimes is starting or whoever, even if this is Glennon and backups, I don't know if the Rams defense are going to overwhelm them so much as you might have thought three or four weeks ago with them. Just make sure you take. Taking a, a look at everybody who's playing in this game before you you get involved because there are yeah Dan, Danny Dimes is the one that that is the most important. He's been playing really good football this year. He's been playing but really it, good football. Yeah, he only has that one turnover. You know, he's looking good. They just got some bad breaks, but that's why it's important, like for the development. Yeah, Jones was making silly mistakes, but he had coaching in position to give him the tools to be successful in this league. So that's. Back to our Lawrence play we're talking about. Yeah, until you know if he's starting, this game is just a pure stay away. Next game, we got the Chargers playing the Baltimore Ravens. I locked this one in early in the week at uh, at three and a half. Um, is uh, is it's around three now? The Ravens are a three point favorite against the Chargers. Um, what what scares me about this game though, Eric, is that I feel like you're getting both of these teams at their highest point of like they're they're so highly valued right now. But it doesn't really show up in the line for the Chargers. You know, the Chargers aren't if if Vegas loved the Chargers in a spot like this, they would be less than a field goal. And and so to me, I don't know if the number is reflecting how high everybody is on the Chargers. I think it's it's pretty it's like sort of where it should be. I think the line, I just like the Chargers a lot better as a team. I just think they're a I'm, much better football team. I mean, like, I gave these these guys out at thirty three to one. I hope somebody out here took it when I gave it out. I love this team, but the success that they are having is just something like they they can't sustain. No, you take out the fake punt that they did. I I forget like week one. They're seven for seven on fourth down conversions, which is that's un- just it mind boggling. It won't happen. It they it, can't sustain that no. and. I love 
I love Staley. I mean, I think he's a great coach. The stuff, the comments he made about Gruden and everything, liked him even more. I love his attitude. Hey, you know what? We can get this fourth down. I'm putting the ball in Justin Herbert's hands, who in my eyes right now, best quarterback in the NFL, and it's not even close. Um, the one thing that does worry me, though, is the run. They can't stop the run. And that's the ball. I know. But you look at the game last week against the Browns. You made the comment when we were talking earlier. Same thing with that Browns game. They play that game 100 times. Browns probably win 90% of it. Yep. Yep. There was no reason that that the Chargers should have won this game. They were getting their asses kicked down 14 to nothing, fourth and three from like their own 23, 24, whatever. Staley's like, no, we need to score here. And like he put faith, ran a play, got the first down. This guy, by doing that, A, it shows faith in your players. So the players are going to believe in you more. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. just everything this guy's doing. I mean, like in my eyes right now, this team's winning the Super Bowl right now. I mean, and they're struggling against the run right now because Murray's on the IR. He's going to come back. They're going to be better against the run. I'm sitting out. It's funny because this, I would love to fade both of these teams this week. I think both of these teams are very good football teams. And I do think, I think the Chargers are better. I think the Ravens are a tad overrated, I was telling you. But, like, they're still a good football team. I just don't know if they're quite in the top tier with some of the other AFC teams. And they're both of these teams are coming off of games that look so great, right? That yeah. Browns game, the Chargers scored all these points. They look incredible. Everyone's love just what you're doing. And I completely agree with you. If I'm talking about best young coaches or best coaches in the league, Staley is absolutely on my short list. If we're talking about best quarterbacks in the league, Herbert is absolutely on my short list. We're talking about like Players that have taken a leap Mike Williams has got to be on everybody's list With the way that they're using him better this year Not just as like a soul deep route And And then you got the Ravens Who have that huge 16 point Fourth quarter deficit to win They uh, you know, had 31st downs in that game But they needed three missed kicks Two missed field goals, a block kick And a Colts fumble at the Baltimore 14 Just to win that game They needed all of those things to happen To win that game And if they don't win that game what are we saying about this Baltimore team? Who now, let's go through Baltimore's schedule. Week one, they lose to the Raiders. Week two, they beat the Chiefs in a game that they should have lost. They come back and they score late. They give the ball back to the Chiefs and they get lucky the Chiefs don't score. The Chiefs have a couple turnovers and they win that game. They come back in week three, they need a 66-yard field goal to beat the Lions. That shouldn't even have been a 66-yard field goal. It should have been a 71-yard field goal that they wouldn't have hit. They could have been 0-3 right there. Week four... They're playing a Ravens team that you are. They're playing a, a Broncos team that you sniffed out. They were decimated by injury. They had their entire team beat up. And then at halftime, Teddy B gets a concussion. And then in week five, they should, they should have lost. They were down by 16 in the fourth quarter. They find ways to win, but I don't know overall, when you look at the metrics, kind of, we're talking about like things that are not sustainable. I don't know how sustainable it is to win games this way when you need other teams to shoot themselves week in and week out. Exactly. But I will say this. If the Ravens would have lost to the Colts, I would be on the Ravens this game. Completely agree. 100%. Because they would have been two and a half here or two. And then we would have jumped on the Ravens. You know? I mean, like, you have, I don't know, like. This is a weird one. Just everything. It's just a pure stay away. I will say this, though. Every like Lamar Jackson is slinging the ball right now. 
He and is. If this progresses and the Ravens defense can figure it out, this team's going to be sneaky in the playoffs because the big thing was he wasn't able to throw the ball. He is He's making throwing the ball all that over he the didn't field. make. They told us this last year, but they maybe were a year ahead. They said last year coming out, Lamar's going to throw the ball a lot more, you know, and he's going to throw this and that, and he he didn't. This year, he looks really good. He had a 90, what was it? Uh, Lamar was 90% adjusted completion percentage, the second highest of his career, 37 for 43, 442 yards, four touchdowns. And the running backs only had 24 carries on 11 yards. I mean, this was all Lamar. Uh, Andrews with 11 catches, 147 yards and two touchdowns. Brown, nine catches, 125 yards and two touchdowns. O-line's got to get a little better because they didn't do very good. Uh, they didn't do a very good job of opening up holes for the run. 3.4 yards per rush, um, allowed 17 total pressures, 12 quarterback hits, but they got lucky because it's Lamar. Those pressures and hits are probably sacks on someone else. He's able to escape, um, but the defense allowed. This is what scares me. This is a defense that is now on a short week, and you just allowed 513 total yards and 8.1 yards per play to the Colts. Yep. And now you've got the Chargers coming in. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's that's why I that's, stay away from me. That is, that's the one thing that leads me in a game where it's close. I like both of these teams, but I like the Chargers better, and the Chargers have the extra day of rest, whereas the Ravens have a short week and they played in overtime on a short week late into Monday night. I'm going to take the Chargers plus the points. I take a little Chargers money line. I sprinkle them in. It's still early enough in the year to where the 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 traveling across the country doesn't bother me as much either. I think later in the year, they go into the East Coast to the West Coast. I think that stuff starts to to hamp to like to weigh on you a little bit more. This is a fun game. I'm really pumped for this one. Um, either way, and. Uh, Hey, uh, the Ravens didn't get their uh, hundred-yard uh, record last week too, so uh, they're out of the record. But... <laughs> they tied for it though. They tied. For it. Yeah, I was gonna say they 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 won the game, which I'm sure I'm sure it's at least se- second important to Harbaugh. He probably would have wanted that rushing record more than the win, but he'll take the win nonetheless. As uh, we move along to Packers Bears, uh, this one is uh, Packers a four and a half point favorite on the road. Eric, I think the total is around forty-four and a half. And how about? Which one do you like better? Do you like missing Crosby or Mason Crossbar? <laughs> I like I, li- I like Mason Crossbar a little bit. Yeah, better. Like that's a little bit sharper, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, this game for me, like, I'll, I'll say, I'm gonna sound like a broken record this year. Interdivisional home dogs. I love the Bears here. I locked them in at um. What did I get? Them? I got them at plus four and a half. And this is going to be the team that I money line parlay with the um, the with the Lions. Um, Aggie gave the play calling duties over to uh, Laser Bill Laser Ball. They're doing a lot better job. They're running more. Than and when he did that 60%. last year, yeah, Trubisky looked a lot better, and they looked a lot yeah. better as a team. Yeah, um, they are running the ball sixty percent of the time now, so they're taking a lot of pressure off of fields. Offensive line is doing a great job. This Packers team has struggled defending against the run. They're missing um, Alexander, which is going to be huge for them in terms of stopping. Smith on the offensive line, too. Yeah. Yeah, which is going to be huge for them stopping the Bears' uh, rushing attack. In terms of the offense, Bears are getting to the quarterback. Um, They lead the league in sats, I believe, and um, 
this Packers offensive line is struggling, the stat that really stood out. Guess which quarterback is performing the worst with pressure in his face? Not Sam Darnold, Aaron Rodgers. So I really think they're going to be able to get Rodgers off key, really make him uncomfortable. I also think an injury that's kind of being underreported that's affecting the offense is um, MVS. The Packers have no field stretcher now, so they don't really have to defend against the deep ball. So even though he's not like a big part of the offense, him not there, that's one less thing defenses have to worry about. And then you got to be able to score the ball. Three missed field goals, 40% in the red zone. That's too many points left off the board five, for the Packers. Yep. Yeah, I like They were just 4 like of 11 on third down, too. Yeah. You know, that was – You and I have both said it. There's just something that's just not right with yeah. this team. They're it's just it's not just, clicking. There's probably like there's a, like got to be some inner – What's the word I'm looking for? Inner oil or it's it's yeah. like a it's like a B minus C plus, you know, mm-hmm. like with them. It's like yeah, they're they're okay. They're gonna beat the teams that they're supposed to, but they could have very easily lost that game last week if it wasn't for the Bengals missing some of their own kicks. Right, that was a game that they should have. They in everything that you look at in the box score says yeah, if that game is played out over and over, the Packers probably win. But last week, all the Bengals had to do was make one kick and they win the game, and now you're in trouble. And that, that's what scares me a little bit with the team like the Chargers too, is they don't have very good special teams. Um, you know, and that's why I think Staley's gonna just keep going for it. Like, why even worry about kicking it? The Chargers had something stupid last week where it's like their kick returner returned like three balls out of the end zone on 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 like kickoff returns that were to like the 18. It's like, what are you doing, dude? Just give yourself better yeah. field position. Just let the ball damn go. Um, those are those are things that bother me. And with with the good teams when they're favored. And they have bad, you know, uh, special teams or bad kicking units or things that like really things that will make the margins um, a, a lot smaller or their margin of error. Keep an eye on Dylan. He's starting to get a little bit more involved. He had 12 total touches for 79 yards and a touchdown last week. Um, and the Devontae Adams stuff, while it's really impressive, 11 catches for 206 yards, he has 60% of the team's passing yards. 50% of the team's first downs picked up through the air. Um, he had zero drops, all three contested catch opportunities. Through five weeks, he has the second highest target rate of any NFL wide receiver in the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, and that's what you're saying about MVS, kind of piggybacking your point. That's, that's fine when you play teams where nobody can stop him. But if you play any kind of competent defensive that are able to slow him down a little bit, you have to find somebody else. They're not getting Tanyan involved at all this year. There's nobody else that they're making a part of their offense. We'll see if they can do that against the Bears team that you know, they got to be a little Bear uh, Fields took a few shots to the ribs last week. He got kind of his legs stuck. He went to the sideline early for a play. He was just three of nine on passes beyond 10 yards, only 109 yards passing. The O line played great, um, which was. You know, one of their weaknesses, they only allowed three combined pressures and their D line, as you mentioned, they had 19 quarterback pressures. They were awesome. They ran the ball really well uh, for 143 total yards. I'm going to stay away just because I don't know. I'm kind of staying away from Vegas and and the the game they came off of last week and what what they're going to do this week, because I I don't know if that was more of like Vegas just being really flat because of everything that was happening with Gruden at that time and their players just maybe not focusing because they got their asses kicked last week in the trenches and they were just really, really flat. So I'm going to stay away from this game as we move along to the Cardinals and the Browns is a game that I already locked in uh, earlier in the week. 
at the uh, the Browns minus the three. Um, gosh, I love this Browns team. I really do. Even in their losses, I'd like them because I know who they are, and I think the things where they struggle, they can improve. Like I watched that game and uh, Ward got hurt, you know, and then all of a sudden they they're really hurt in coverage now. Like Ward's out of the game, and the, the same thing happened earlier in the year where they played Kansas City, and then Johnson went out, and they were able to attack the the secondary a little bit. the The Browns scored forty two points and had five hundred and thirty two yards, zero turnovers. They are the first team in NFL history, including the playoffs, to lose a game when having forty points and five hundred yards and zero turnovers. That's just just insane. I mean, it's just. Insane to me. I like this Browns team too. Um, they, they're not perfect, field. right? Baker, <laughs> Baker's got to get better. Stefanski's got to improve a little bit. But I, I think they are things that can improve. Like you see some teams, and you just go, "Yeah, they don't have the personnel, or they don't have it." I feel very confident that, like any game against any one of the good AFC teams, the Browns are going to be in that game. Yeah, with how they play, you know, with heavy relying on the run and everything they're going to definitely be in the game with how good their defense is um the main thing for me as i was looking um quarterbacks pressure in their face baker's top five excuse me bottom five in the league completion percentage with with, with um with pressure in his face and that's something he's definitely gonna have to improve on but for me i locked the Browns in at minus two and a half this is just a fade on the cardinals this is the ultimate sell high on a team that is five and zero. Oh, that should not be five and zero. Oh. They got they should be two and three. Let's be yeah, honest, they, two and they, three. They got completely outgained by the San Francisco 49ers, who are starting a rookie quarterback running a high school offense, and your quarterback can't throw the ball. Um, and there's one, one play, and- honestly, he got stoned at the goal line, and that's the difference yeah. in the whole game. Yeah, like the whole they reason got- why you have Lance is because. He can run and get you into the end zone. He had an, a he had a, a seam and he got stoned right at the. And I'm not talking about smoking some ganj because that's what we do out here in California. I'm talking <laughs> about he got lit up at the goal yeah. line. If he gets in, it's it's a tie game. If the whole game is different, the whole game flips. Um, so yeah, I think this team. This is just a sell point for me. I think the Browns are going to be able to run the ball um, on this defense and also something. It's being reported. My buddy tell, who lives in Arizona, Henry, tells me it's all over the news in Arizona, but no other beat report, no national beat reporter is reporting it. Kyler's shoulder got banged up. He's yep. dealing with a shoulder injury. We all saw what happened last year when. And you know what happened too? Injury. When he got the shoulder injury last year, he didn't run as much either, which is yeah. really weird. You just are, it's like in your head, you're just not, you don't have that extra burst. He only had one care. Or he only had one yard on seven carries yeah. last week. One yard. Yeah. He hasn't had more he, than thirty-nine yards rushing in any game yet this year. Yeah. See, if he's not, it's definitely a. Um, how can I word this? It's one less thing you have to worry about as a defense. Browns yep. defense, like I said, is good. I just think you're just getting a team at a right spot here. Definitely locking the two and a half. Yep. Completely. Anything three. I wouldn't want to lay, lay more than three with the Browns, but. Three, two and a half, three, anything under the three. I think the Browns are just a much better team than the Cardinals. I just think they're a much better football team than the Cardinals. And um, yeah, the Cardinals as a team only had 94 yards rushing last week on 27 carries. So if Kyler's banged up and his shoulder's a little banged up and he can't throw the ball as well or as deep or as accurate, and they're not running the ball as well, 
And they got a Max Williams injury He's had a sneaky good year for them He's been he's yeah. been a really good target for Kyler. Their secondary struggled, even even against Trey Lance. That secondary struggled against Lance. So I think Baker should be fine in this spot because I I trust him quite uh, quite a bit more throwing the ball than Lance. They allowed five completions longer than fifteen yards. Yeah, that's it's just a, it's a feels like a bad spot for the Cardinals. Feels like a spot where I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns kind of beat up on them. A little bit and win this game by by a couple scores um, Just the way these two teams match up it, But again, we got, all that being said You know, like the Browns blown coverage on Mike Williams last week They missed a fourth and two in the red zone That was a bad drop by Odell If he catches that, they probably win the game They probably score yep. early and they're up even bigger early in the game Baker threw for over 300 yards But almost half of it was to Najoku Seven receptions, 149 yards and a touchdown um, The Browns, we, we talk about the uh, the Chargers Getting those fourth down and longs The Browns are Unbelievable at allowing Third and fourth and long It is crazy because it doesn't make sense Eric because that's what you want to do As a football team as a defense You want to stop teams on first and Second down you want to You know make them have a third and five Third and eight fourth and Five fourth and eight that's what the Browns do Every week they force teams Into third and fourth and long but Those teams pick it up Every time it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it doesn't make sense to go back. It's, I mean, it's it's regressing. Yes. It's going to regress. It's going to cycle back to the norm. To the mean, because their, their, um, personnel on defense isn't bad. They shouldn't be blowing. Personnel's great. They're great. That's what I mean. So they shouldn't be blowing coverages and stuff like that. And, but when you, and when you think about it, so now they've played five games so far and the two games where they, the defense didn't look very good. We're against two freaking awesome offenses in the Chiefs and and the Chargers, and against the Vikings defense or against the Vikings offense. That Browns D looked very good. That's a good offense, and they look good there too. So, um, yeah, Browns. Oh, they got the ball back up forty two forty one late, and that's that's when Stefanski worries me. He gets a little passive late in the game. He's aggressive all throughout, and then they got the ball, and it was run, 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 punt. Yeah. In- you got to be able to, you got to be able to play to win the game, and like I, that's my one kind of fear with him. Yeah, because it's he he feels like 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 Staley knows who he is right now. I think Stefanski's still figuring out who he is as a head coach. I think he'll get there. I like I like Stefanski more than probably twenty six other coaches in the league. You know, um, mm-hmm. but there's still a little bit in the decision making where it's like you know last week they made the decision to go for it and throw it. And that could have cost him the game And you and I are going Why are they throwing that if Baker's banged up This week it might have been smart In that game the way that was going To take a shot at on third and eight And try to pick up a first down You were moving the ball well You were throwing And you know that they're going to get the ball And come right back So um, I did love what the Browns defense did with Eckler When they pulled him into the end zone Because you know what Hey that was a smart call They gave themselves another shot They didn't end up winning the game But if Eckler kneels down um, on the goal line right there They don't even get an opportunity to come back and win the game So here's my thought of that And maybe I'm just out thinking everything Like I normally I do in everything in life But Do you think he has zero faith in his kicker? Zero. Like you know what I mean? Do you think that was he was just point. trying to get it Get it down to the goal line And then run it down And then with like how many ever seconds left Just have Herbert sneak it in Do you think that, that was- I mean I think that's what he was trying to do Because 
This kicker they have is awful. You can't awful. trust him to make anything. I'm even amazed he's even in the league because he was awful in college. Because Staley right. and Eckler were smart on the play before to kneel. So they knew what they were doing, right? But I, I think you're right. I think a lot of that had to do with, hey, what would we rather do? Would we rather get the lead right now and force the Browns to have to score a touchdown, to come to drive back down and score a touchdown, not just a field goal, or do we want to have to worry about a, you know, a snap a hold, a kick. That's because he did the same thing in the Chiefs game. That's yep, what makes right. me think. You're right. He did do that. that. He was doing this because he has zero faith in his kicker, and he was going to run it down to how many seconds, and then just run a sneak with Herbert or something with Eckler to win the game. Yeah, because that's the second time. You're right. That's the second time that that's happened. Um, injuries on the line with Willis and Conklin, but the O line still played pretty well. 230 rushing yards, and they held the Chargers to the three pressures and to no sacks. Uh, Browns, Cardinals coming up later this week as we head to Denver for the Raider game. Denver is a three and a half point favorite over the Raiders in this one, and ah, Denver, like we said, it's. This is this game is a pure stay away for me. I almost always bet teams coming off of a coaching change. I just don't know if this was like a like Rudin wasn't wasn't an awful head coach this year, and that's why he got fired. It's that's when I like to play teams that get rid of their coach when the coach is just really really bad, and I think they're going to improve with the new coach with a new scheme. This is a different story. I don't. I'm just going to stay away from these games with the Raiders for like a week or two because I have no idea how they're going to respond. I want the four. If I can get the four, I'll take it. It's at three and a half right now. At three and a half, it's a pure stay away for me. If I if this gets to four, I'll take it. Because like you, any team that makes a trochian change, I'm automatically invested in. And I'm going to be invested in if I can get the four. I think the Broncos, due to injuries, are starting to regress a little bit. Um, and it kind of like, I'll t- we'll talk about the Steelers later on, but the Steelers completely changed their blocking scheme from what they did in um, their previous games. And there was no adju- in-game adjustment from Vangio, which completely blew my mind. Like if I'm able defensive to sitting, guy, that's something that he should be doing. If Yeah, exactly. If, if I'm able to be sitting on my couch enjoying the finest Pilsner in the land, Miller Lite, and seeing what the <laughs> Steelers are doing blocking-wise, how isn't this guy who's making millions of dollars a year able to see it? So that has me a little worried. Um, yeah, I mean, I really – I'm going to be on the Raiders here. I'm going to try to get the four. I think some Broncos money will eventually come in. The Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm staying away. Um, I, I'd agree with you. Like, I would always play the Raiders side in here. The only thing that scares me is just how bad the Raiders looked last week against the Bears. You know, they were just lifeless. And I don't know, like I said, I just, I don't know what, like, Carr out there. Carr is sad right now. He moved next to Gruden. He even said, like, I love the man and I hate the sin. This puts a lot of these guys in a weird position. You know, it just, I don't, like, I don't know if they're excited. Like, a bad coach gets fired. The team gets excited a little bit because they know the players on the team aren't stupid when there's a bad, incompetent coach, and then he's out, and they know that they're going to be able to be more competitive in games. I don't, I don't know what the vibe over there is at all. Like, and that's that's just what scares me. This is a, a pure stay away for me. I did like that Teddy B did look a lot better in the second half, so maybe he was just kind of 
feeling it out, coming back from the concussion, kind of taking it a little bit slow. Um, there was a big swing moment in that game too. The Denver got a uh, they got a stop. They held Pittsburgh to a field goal, but they got called for a penalty. Gave Pittsburgh a new set of downs, and Big Ben throws a touchdown pass to Claypool. All of a sudden, it's twenty four six to start the second half, and they were in trouble. They came all the way back. They had a chance to try to um, to to get uh, to actually push the game into overtime late, but they couldn't score. Defensive line struggled a little bit. They were only one of three in the red zone, and and Pittsburgh was two of two. In a game you lose by eight, that's the difference, you know? Um, Exactly. Kyle Fuller got torched in the secondary, though, so that scares me a little bit against the Raiders. He allowed five passes to be completed for 113 yards and a touchdown. He also had a pass interference call in the end zone that set up a touchdown. So, um, An interesting thing to do, and my buddy, like, said this to me, he goes, Get videos of quarterbacks throwing and put them side by side. So I did that with Derek Carr and Justin Herbert. And Herbert is like, it's amazing how effortless he is throwing the ball. And it's, he, can, he can touch pass, sling it, and he's not like grimacing. Derek Carr, I don't, is, I don't want to use the term a soft thrower, but all his throws are like he's just throwing it in a basket. You know what I mean? Arcing, throwing in the basket. There's no, like, zip throws. You know, it's just night and day. Derek Carr is – they need to make a change as much as it pains me to say that. But this could definitely long-term be a good thing for the Raiders because it will force them to do a reset. We move along. uh, Three games left to discuss. We've got the final game of the afternoon on Sunday. We'll hit the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. We've got the Cowboys versus the Pats. And the – man – this one's a weird one to me because the Cowboys are a very good football team. They they look very good. But again, they're coming off of a week last week where it's a little bit deceiving because they played against the Giants team where they were tied 10-10 and then the Giants got decimated by injuries from their quarterback, their wide res- their RB1, QB1, wide receiver 1 and O-line 1 all went out. So I think any team is going to be easier to defeat when that's the case. The Cowboys outscored the Giants 27-10 in the second half. You know, they had 515 total yards, seven yards per play, which is great. They were eight of 14 on third down, one of two on fourth down. Zeke did leave the game with an injury. Keep an eye on him. He did come back and he looked fine. 21 carries, 110 yards. They ran for a total of 200 yards. What what concerns me with them always, you know, in situations like this too, in, in a game where maybe it's close, they're on the road. They punted when they shouldn't have with McCarthy. I'm always going to have some concerns about him. As good as his team will look, I'll always worry about them. Uh, the defense, they're only giving up 23.4 points per game. That's down six points a game from last year. Um, I just don't know how good this Patriots team is. They're getting a field goal. Or they're getting more than a field goal, though, at home. Um, Damian Harris looked better last week, but then he fumbled the ball going into the end zone, which Belichick never likes, and then... He he was a little banged up. He did get back in the game afterwards. They're just still not running the ball all that well. 4.2 yards per carry on 30 carries. They scored 16 unanswered points to win a game with a game-winning field goal by Folk. Uh, Mack was a little more aggressive. Hunter Henry showed up. They won a game even missing four offensive line starters, uh, but the secondary was really bad. That's what scares me here. They allowed 290 yards and three touchdowns to Davis Mills. Chris Moore. Practice squad wide receiver had five catches for 109 yards and a touchdown. What could Lamb and and Cooper and some of the the 
pieces on the Cowboys do to them I'm staying away here I mean I, I wouldn't want to lay the points With Dallas traveling to New England If I had to pick a side I definitely would be on the New England side Plus a three and a half But just based on the scheme of these two teams I'm staying away This is why it's always important Sunday at one o'clock right when the games start Just to kind of look I use the bet staff app because I feel it's the best one for it Just kind of look to see what the market Has the games for next week This game was a pick em, Cowboys minus one When the day started on Sunday when the day ended on Sunday, it was at four and a half. That's a huge line move just from what people saw in terms of the score. When I saw the four and a half, I locked in the Patriots at, at plus four and a half. You kind of hit on the head. Patriots are going to have a huge coaching advantage. I think Mike McCarthy is a complete moron. Um, the fact he only got one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, where I really believe if Jay Cutler doesn't get hurt, they're not winning that Super Bowl. Um, I just can't can't back them. I think four and a half, I'm getting a great number. I locked that in with the Patriots. Uh, I think that the Patriots will be able to move the ball in this Cowboys defense because eventually this Cowboys defense, this turnover regression that they get, it's going to come back to the norm. I was reading this thing where they've had teams playing against them have had seven fumbles. The Cowboys have recovered five of them. You can't maintain that, that pace. Um, Diggs no. isn't going to get He's not going to get an interception Every, every game. game Eventually this is going to come back to the norm And you know what I think this is the game And plus the Cowboys are coming off Three games in a row At home Now they're going on the road this Might be raining reminds me, yeah, This game reminds me about that game I think it was like in 2019 When the Cowboys won a couple in the road They went to New York to play They the got Jets. the shit kicked out of them yeah. This is exactly what this game reminds me of. I'm going to be on the Patriots. Um, I locked it in at four and a half. It's kind of dripped back down to three and a half now. I still like it at that three and a half number. We move along to Seahawks, Steelers. Gino, 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 Gino. Big week for us, Gino's. I told you when, uh, one thing that was funny when, when Gino Smith played for the Jets, um, there would be, you know, he would he would get booed at booed like crazy some games when he was just horrible, and the Jets would the whole crowd would be chanting, "Gino sucks, Gino sucks," you know. And then he'd do something great, and the crowd's chanting, "Gino, Gino." I always joked it was it was like a battle between my dreams and my nightmares, you know. Like every time I watched a Jets game, it's like all the people cheering for me, and then all the people booing me out of the damn building. But Gino Smith will be starting here. And you know what? He looked decent last week. I gotta say, he didn't look horrible for a guy coming off the bench who Russell Wilson has never missed a game. How many snaps do you think Geno Smith gets week to week? Probably not a lot. Not that right? many. I mean, he looked pretty competent. Um, this is a tough spot, obviously, because you know, now you're playing against the Steelers defenses where you and I have thought this defense has been a little overhyped the last couple of years. They're good. They're not a bad defense, but they're. This is a tough spot for Geno. Um, although you know, in the same the same time, Pittsburgh, I don't think is as good. They looked decent last week. Fifty yard bomb by Big Ben to Johnson early, then a fifty nine yard pass to Claypool, but that was only about six yards in the air. And and mixed signals for Big Ben because there were two throws that should have been picked off that were dropped uh, by by Denver. He was much better down the field, but if those two 
if those two passes are intercepted instead of dropped, that changes the whole game. The O line was a lot better. You mentioned they ran the ball well. The tackles allowed just one pressure on Big Ben. Their blocking scheme seemed to be much, much better. Uh, Harris finally really ran the ball well 122 yards on 23 carries. Juju's out for the year. The, with Johnson and Claypool, that probably doesn't hurt them too much. They'll get a little more volume, but it does take away one of their strengths. Their wide receivers. Um, Devin Bush also suffered a groin injury, something to keep an eye on. I, I mean, if I'm playing this game, I'm, I'm probably not. I could not lay the points with the Steelers. I'd have, I'd absolutely take the Seahawks. I just, I wasn't very impressed with them before Wilson got hurt and the way offensively what they were doing was very bland. We keep every year we hear that they're going to get more creative with their offense and yet they never do. I just, I, I wasn't that impressed. So uh, what do we got? Five in this game, Eric, 42. Any thoughts on uh, Seattle versus the Steelers? I, I, like when you look at Geno Smith and um, Big Ben, like is there really that big of a difference? No, no. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't really think they have a huge quarterback difference. You mentioned the offensive line. They instead of going zone blocking, they're just like, hey, just get the guy in front of you and push him. They completely changed their blocking scheme, which will be interesting to see now. That since Norton and the um, Ken Norton, the defensive coordinator, and the Seahawks have have film for that now, so it's going to be interesting to see like. How they adjust to that five is just too big of a number. Um, you mentioned Nigel Harris; he only played one snap in that fourth quarter. I think he's banged up. I don't really don't know how much he's going to be able to go. I mean, if this was a lower number, like a three, I'd be investing in the Steelers. But at this five, it's a stay away or play the Seahawks for me. We go to the Monday night football game. We've got Bills Titans. I mean, doesn't this feel like a great anti-Bills spot here? Bills for coming sure, off their sure. huge win against KC. Everything's humming. They're firing on all cylinders. Tennessee's just looked really, even in the games that they've won this year, they've just looked flat. They've looked disappointing, not sexy. The Bills were awesome. But one thing that concerns me a little bit, they still had 10 penalties for 103 yards. Those are things that will will add up if you continue to be a sloppy football team. Um, I Purely on the spot, I would play the Titans at around the plus five, is it five and a half right now? Is that the number that you're seeing? Five, five and a half. Yeah, um, I play the Titans at home in that spot. I don't think the Titans are a better football team than the Bills or anything, but I would not be shocked if this is a, a tight game. Bills win by a field goal, but you can get the plus. Uh, you can get the points with the Titans at home. That's the way I'd lean in here. Oh, me for sure, hundred percent. This is like the Vrabel rah 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 spot. Like this is what he is. His teams play up and they play down. That's why when we faded them against the Jets and faded them against the Jaguars and while we'll back them this week while getting points at home in a primetime spot. Also, one of the angles I like to do is after a team plays back-to-back primetime games on Sunday and Monday, I like to fade them. So I'm all on the Titans here. I'll take the five. I'll, I'm a hold off, hopefully be able to get a six because I think more money will come in on the bills. And then I'll take a little bit on the money line as well. This Titans team... Needs to figure out a way to move the ball a little bit better through the air. Uh, Brown was back last week, so hopefully, you know, a week under his belt, he'll feel a little healthier this week. Um, they, they've just been very, very predictable, and just honestly, they haven't looked that great as a football team. I think this is a good spot for them, though. I really do for the Titans. I'm on the Titans side with you, also 
on Monday Night Football We will uh, talk about all of these games coming up on Sunday Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time If you follow on Twitter, it's me, Gino B, or at BTV Bets Eric jumps on with uh, myself, with Beho. It's been uh, it's been rotating, it's either Blackjack or Leo Mantis joined us last week We go through all the games like we do We have updated numbers to provide for you And uh, that'll be coming up on Sunday Eric, let us know, what do you have coming up over the next few days? Um, you know, I have my podcast coming out. Uh, we'll talk a little NBA. NBA starting on Tuesday, if you can believe it or not, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, talk a little NASCAR, and then we uh, go through our fantasy football build and you know, kind of give you a couple players to put in your DFS lineup. Eric, yeah, looking forward. Am I, I'm joining you, right? I'm joining you tomorrow? Yeah. Are we doing that? Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. We're going to talk uh, – so the whole premise is, guys, is we go kind of quarterback position, running back position, wide receiver position, and then we kind of give you, like, one guy each position to build a DraftKings lineup. So, like, build around, just hypothetically, Williams, Herbert, Eckler, you know, and we won't obviously give you, like, the big funny guys. We'll kind of give you, like, a... Yeah, less maybe, obvious. A mid-tier guy, yeah, something mm-hmm. to kind of build around that will open up so you can get the Henry and, uh, and Kelsey in your lineup. Little contrarian, right? If it's obvious everybody's yeah. going to have them, you're not going to get any separation. You have to be, you have to zig a little bit if you want to win big money in some of these lineups. So look forward to talking some DFS with Eric. Uh, make sure to tune in and to subscribe to Eric's podcast there. And uh, we will be back. Yeah, crazy. We'll, we'll next week, or I'll talk with you over the weekend. Maybe we'll we'll touch base early in the week and talk a little NBA um, uh, to get set up for the season. Maybe a couple of the teams that you're looking for uh, or some season long futures Tuesday night. The Lakers open up crazy, crazy, crazy as October is one of the best sports months where we have baseball playoffs. We have uh, the NBA starting, the NHL starting. We have uh, football and college football, the Breeders' Cup right at the end, uh, actually the beginning of November this year. This year, So, Eric, man, it is a fun time for guys like you and I who love sports, who love to, uh, to get involved in all of these. And we thank you again so much. I appreciate you being flexible. You and I recorded this early so that way I could watch my Dodgers later tonight. Fingers crossed on them, and I hope you have a great rest of your week, buddy. You too, man. Good luck tonight. That's Eric. Make sure to give him a follow there. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more to go on this episode of That's What She Said. Great stuff, as always, from Eric talking NFL. Make sure to give him a follow as uh, he will do a really good job helping you make some money, helping you get prepped for your big fantasy weeks each and every week. And we're going to head on over and start talking a little NBA, a little Lakers in just a second. Before we do, we have to talk to you about Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, Cindy Carava. And that's uh, a full-service realtor that can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing, in many ways. Really anything you need in the world of real estate. The website, cindycarava.com. Give it a look. Uh, maybe you just want to improve your home a little bit. She can connect you with the right kind of vendors, gardeners, landscapers, painters, people that she's used uh, in her own home, in her own homes. If you need help with a, a loan, she can connect you with the people to get you pre-approved for that loan, the right type of lenders that you need. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value and let you know where you stack up. CindyCarava.com. Check out the website, listings, reviews, everything you need to find out about her at CindyCarava.com. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. We get into Laker Talk with Alex, a preview of the Lakers season less than a week out from the tip-off of the NBA season. Alex from Silver Screen and Roll helps us break down the Lakers. 
NBA time. Can you believe that we are less than a week away from the NBA tip-off? Uh, we are recording this interview on Wednesday evening, and uh, Lakers are going to play on Tuesday. The 22nd next week they're gonna have their first game Alex Regla joins me And uh, we're gonna be talking all about The Los Angeles Lakers That's the 22nd the 19th it's even earlier than that Alex joins me because Alex has been uh, Someone who's joined me to talk about The Lakers for many years and Alex It's pretty crazy from when we started um, was Like five years ago And we're talking about teams that were um, You know Really focused on their lottery picks And how are we going to develop these young guys And now it's just completely flip-flopped The last couple years to where This team is the favorite And this team is a brand new team They have a lot of new pieces coming in Yeah, yeah, first off I appreciate you having having me back on Like you said, I, I've it's been really cool Kind of having like an annual spot on this mm-hmm. pod It, it was uh, <laughs> the first pod I've ever been on uh, Was you and Gino's pod back then So are yeah. you and uh, Mike? Mike, uh, I think yeah, yeah the Mike Abadier show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's a great little tradition. I love doing these uh, season previews with you. But yeah, like you said, a lot of roster turnover, which has been the case literally for the last uh, four or five seasons. And yeah, a whole bunch of new faces, a whole a lot of familiar names around the league. If you're an NBA fan, so really, really exciting time for for Laker fans. And. Uh... The, the big name, uh, the the trade for Russell Westbrook that people know, and he's a he's a very polarizing figure in the NBA, and uh, I think because Russell has some very very obvious strengths and weaknesses, and they're kind of glaring, and so um, him coming in, the question a lot of people have asked is how is he going to fit alongside LeBron and AD, two people or two players that you figure. Are going to be high usage players Are going to be focal points of any team Now you add another person like Russ In the mix once the ball in his hands No matter what This is going to be fun right <laughs> Yeah that that's The question that's kind of going to loom over This entire season and and really We haven't we're not any closer to figuring out How it's going to work we yesterday uh, On Tuesday night was the first game Where all three suited up and played together And it looked and it was like ex- yeah, it looked like it too, right? It looked like yeah. it was the first time all three played together. So yeah, there's going to be some growing pains, um, expectedly. Um, like you mentioned, Russ has really well well acknowledged glaring weaknesses, glaring strengths. He's a very polarizing player because of those weaknesses and strengths. And unfortunately, some of his weaknesses kind of do limit um, some of the Lakers' like half court potential, mm-hmm. specifically in terms of the spacing and stuff like yeah. that. But until we really, really see, I don't know, like 100 minutes of this trio, it's really hard to kind of make really predictions at this point. Exactly. It's just you have we have no clue. And, and, and then what we see in the regular season might be very different to what we mm-hmm. may have to see come playoff time in the last few minutes of a game. Because as we're talking about strengths and weaknesses of Russ, one thing that I think will be a, a big strength, and in reading some of the pieces that you've put out and listening to you talk, I think that's one thing that I like that you're hitting on is, hey, let's wait, and before we really want to say this won't work and Russ can't do this and can't do that, let's just kind of see for a little bit because this guy does have a lot of really, really valuable things that he's going to bring to the table. I think like the number one thing is just how... Seriously, he takes the game night in and night out. I think that's something that can be kind of contagious for everybody. 
Exactly. I think in terms of like a regular season specifically, there's not that many players around the league who are, who are more like floor raisers than Westbrook specifically because of how hard he plays on a night-to-night basis. And, you know, sometimes those result in turnovers like we've seen a lot of in the preseason. And But a lot of times it kind of results in him kind of rallying his team to kind of win those random Tuesday night games against, I don't know, Charlotte or whoever. So, yeah, like the, the, a lot of that, like, is important. And obviously, like you said, the weaknesses are important. And when the playoffs come around, those weaknesses are probably more magnified and, and kind of exploited by the opposing teams. But just over the course of 82 games, um, I can see why they would want a guy like Westbrook to come in and kind of make sure this team is nowhere near the play-in tournament again and just kind of make sure they get a good seating. And when the playoffs come, hopefully they can kind of scheme against his strengths and weaknesses. So in watching some of the uh, preseason games so far this year, it's been, like you said, it's kind of been hard to really get a good feel for too much because everybody's sort of been in and out. really does feel like a lot of these guys are just getting built up and getting up to speed. There are two things that I'm pretty confident in right now. Um, Number one, Austin Reeves is a player. Man, we're going to talk about him in a second. This guy is great. He, we 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 always get these like cult classic hero guide of players, you know, for the Lakers coming in through training camp. It was Kuzma, then it was Caruso, and now it seems like it's it's him and he just he can play. But but yeah, the, I think to me the most glaring thing that stood out, Anthony Davis seems ready right now. Yeah. And he seems like he's really like determined to prove a point that hey, I'm not soft. I'm not injury prone. I can go. It's like those are things that you've heard it he, he kind of he's mentioned, and it seems like he's wanting to show everybody, hey, I think he kind of forgot about me last year. Well, yeah, like he, he was the first to admit, like during those exit interviews, he he admitted that that this previous season was one of his worst seasons of his career, and I, he obviously has very high standards for for himself, and uh, rightfully so, given his ability and all that stuff, and coming off that finals and playoffs run where he was one of the most dominant players to that whole postseason. So he definitely had a lot to live up to last season, but because of the injuries and again, roster turnover, there's a lot of kind of things that kind of played a role into him having a down year, but w- with the healthy off season, he looked good last night specifically. And uh, I thought defensively, he kind of looks a lot more springy again. The double uh, jumps, during- right? Where he can bounce yeah. and then bounce again. The, those exactly. were kind of missing early in the year. It, in And I think, we got to remember with this team And I feel a lot better about where they are right now They had such a short turnaround last year He went so deep into the playoffs He had played more, you know, that really b- good run in the bubble Where he was just incredible And then such, you know, they don't, they don't even know when the season's going to start And then all of a sudden, oh yeah, we're going to start early Everybody thought the season was going to start maybe later into January Even some thought deeper into February A lot of guys weren't in shape at the beginning And you could tell AD was kind of was one of them that just wasn't playing up to his standard And I think it just really impacted him All year, he never He, he actually looked pretty good when he Returned, I think he had that one game against Phoenix Where he sort of dominated them right before yeah. the playoffs <laughs> Everybody kind of got excited about The matchup, and I think people forget The Lakers were still up Two games to one in that series, and It's like a four point game at halftime When he went down, even not being At his best, this guy is legitimately A top, top tier Difference maker, and if he's playing Sort of like he looks like he wants to play this year Like that The Lakers will have a little bit more room for error If he's playing at that kind of a, a level 
Agreed. Yeah, I, I think ultimately, that's why I think the Westbrook addition obviously is really, really important, but I think is a little overblown in terms of like what's going to make or break this season. Like, I think ultimately it's going to be LeBron and AD and how oh, healthy yeah. those two guys are, mm-hmm. um, especially AD. I, I, I think AD, I think a lot of people internally and kind of have said it to the media, like they believe AD is going to be what propels this team to another championship or not, like how his season goes the Lakers will go. And uh, there was like this play in the first quarter last night where he kind of saved the ball and he kind of dove into the front row in a preseason game. And that's just something we didn't really see at all during no. the regular season last se- last year. So hopefully that's a good sign that he feels, he feels good. And um, again, they're going to need Anthony Davis to be the Anthony Davis they had like two seasons ago. And especially if they get the one that they had in the postseason. And you know what? He might play more center this year. Mm-hmm. So we'll see the kind of tolls that has on his body or if it just raises his game better, given that he'll probably have more spacing and um, like driving lanes to, to operate with. That's a great point because it it's it's it, it's twofold, right? It from a just a pure numbers and basketball standpoint, it's always been when the Lakers are at their best from a trying to keep him healthy. You know, like any like in a baseball season, you think about a long season, you don't necessarily sometimes you skip a start for a pitcher or you bump their start a bay back or two, you know, that kind of thing. When you have maybe Dwight playing some minutes at center, they have a couple different options now um, with big men. But what one thing that's sort of been a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a bummer to start is they were dealing with some injury issues right now. Uh, pretty severe ones quite a bit yeah you know like five six different players going you know going through um you know trevor reza we found out is going to be out quite a bit now Mm -hmm. taylor horton tucker who everybody was so excited about getting ready to take the next step he really looked he just looks a little bit older when you see him you know it's like wow he just looks a little more older filled out and then unfortunately he's going to be out missing some time right now um there were a, a couple other you know wayne ellington banged up a little bit uh so not the not necessarily monk is another one um not necessarily the best way you want to be coming in with with everybody hurt a little but this team has a lot of pieces and that's mm-hmm. that's going to be something that maybe will sort of play itself out uh throughout the year or, or something that could be not easy for someone like Frank Vogel who you know you look at guys like Carmelo Ariza Bazemore Ellington THT uh you know, none. They're not all going to be able to play. Rondo in the mix. Like there are going to be a couple of those guys that have to, you know, that aren't in the rotation. Some guys that actually step up a little bit. So I'm kind of in, interesting because it's it feels like there are a group of players where a few, you know, you, you maybe you need two or three to sort of step up and just you know distinguish themselves. I think for me, some of the things that I've been watching early and in some of my rewatches too. I feel like the one who might fit the best out there next to LeBron and AD and Westbrook so far is Bazemore. He kind of just seems like he does sort of a lot of the things that you would want to fill in. Pretty pretty willing defender. He'll shoot competently from three. He can kind of cut and do some off-the-ball stuff. He feels like someone that I've been pretty pleased with what I've seen from him. What have you thought so far about Bazemore? Yeah, I, I think of, of all the additions in terms of the, the wings and the guards, I, mm-hmm. I think Basemore has kind of just solidified himself um, as a starter. Like, I, I would be shocked if he isn't starting yeah, yeah. Uh, opening night. And I think he deserves to play, even if there wasn't injuries that, that transpired, like you, you mentioned. I think Basemore has just been a rock-solid defender. I think that's the biggest thing. If your head coach is Frank Vogel mm-hmm. 
and you play defense, you're probably going to get minutes. And I mm-hmm. think Bazemore has impressed me. I, I, I think, obviously, he has... If you sign a guy for a minimum contract, he's going to have his flaws and his warts and that type of stuff. But uh, defensively, I thought he's 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 tried out there. Uh, he's defended the point guard well. Uh, his del- help defense has been pretty solid. He's making his threes, uh, which is going to be really important in terms of, like, how reliable he can be out there because he's probably going to play like the KCP role mm-hmm. this season. And KCP, you know, for all, for the majority of his Lakers tenure, he was a really rock solid three point shooter. Like he was 37, 38% shooter. So um, Bazemore has never been like a traditionally great shooter. He had a, a solid year with the Warriors last year. So the Lakers are kind of hoping with more open looks, he can at least replicate that plus his defense and, he, he'll be in a lot of those kind of key uh, closing lineups, probably. Yeah, cause that, and that's one of the things that is, um, it, you know, it's it's obvious about the way this Lakers team is built. They have three excellent, excellent players, but their three best players are all below average mm-hmm. three point shooters, below average perimeter shooters. AD can, you know, LeBron has definitely gotten better through, you know, as he's gotten older, and, and AD will have some moments like uh, that playoff stretch in the bubble where he's like mid range was and towards the <laughs> perimeter was just incredible. But, you know, Westbrook is obviously someone who doesn't even really want to shoot the three all that much. So they're going to need the way this team is set up, they're going to need. Those you know whoever the other two to three guys on the court that are playing around probably the the two of the big three that are out there though they're going to be getting a lot of wide open shots and they're going to need to to hit those shots and that was unfortunate that one thing we didn't see from the Laker role players early in the playoffs last year guys that had hit big shots before you know we'd seen KCP do it before we'd seen Kuzma hit big shots before we'd seen Caruso and um and and Morris and for and they just didn't have a very good, you know, few games there and they were missing a lot of shots. I think it's going to come down to, you know, for this team to take that next level, which of those role players can just hit the open shots. That's one thing that I love when you're a great follow, because you will be very, very adamant about these, these guys don't need to hit tough shots, contested shots, anything more than wide open shots. And you'll usually point out the numbers. And as long as you're just competent with that, the Lakers should be in pretty good shape. And I'm sure the coaching staff doesn't want them taking those difficult shots either, nope. right? Like, right. the whole reason they're out there is to make their open shots. And when you have kind of three guys who uh, individually can have this type of gravity on the floor where you're drawing defenders away from your kind of role players, and that that makes their job a lot easier where they just have to catch and shoot. And those flaws, like, like Bazemore, I don't know if you've noticed, but... When he's asked to maybe do anything besides like catch and shoot, it, it's usually like an adventure out there. Like he'll try a little pretty, too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> you want to make like it kind of like when KCP would do the same thing, you know? Like, exactly. Like you're like, hey, you know, do it well, and 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 when they do, like, be a star in your role. That was exactly. you know one of Frank Vogel's uh, rallying cries over the last couple of years. And if these guys in, can star in their roles, this Laker team. Will be fine because they're going to be led by LeBron and AD. And when you look around the 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 West, Alex, that it's actually a very good year for the Lakers because yeah. Denver is probably going to be without Murray. The Clippers mm-hmm. are probably going to be without Kawhi. Those are two teams that have been two of the top three or four teams in the West the last couple of years. You know, Phoenix may have to be. It, it would not surprise me. 
if Phoenix ended up dealing with a few injuries this year because they have the quick turnaround. They ended up going. They, they were very fortunate last season in terms right? of injuries. They were very healthy last year, and they caught everybody missing someone, you know, th- mm-hmm. throughout. So they're a team that you kind of wouldn't be shocked if if they have some some dead legs or some tired legs throughout the year here too. You know, then you look around and who who really scares the heck out of you in the West all that much? Like nobody's terrifying. So it, I'm not going to be surprised if it takes this team a month. To gel, they they looked really sloppy when we've seen them so far. And yeah. I don't know. I don't think they're going to be able to just snap their fingers and be magically much better. Like they're going to take it more seriously come next week in these in these you know regular season games. But they're going to have a lot of things to work on. Um, you kind of hit on one of them, and just like stylistically, not only are these a bunch of new players, but they're going to be playing at a much quicker pace mm-hmm. and. There's a lot of players here that aren't your traditional defensively focused players that are going to have to put some emphasis on that side of the ball. Yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, that uh, the defense is going to be a, a storyline to, to follow this season. Um, yeah, they do, but they do have uh, in terms of like a guy like uh, Malik Monk, for example. Like mm-hmm. obviously, his defense has never been a strong suit, but. In terms of just sheer uh, sheer shooting, like he's been one of the more reliable shooters in the preseason, mm-hmm. and unfortunately he got hurt like at the, really again at the wrong time because he was really he was kind of making a case to if not be like the sixth man, like maybe even the starter, given how well he was playing and how well he was shooting. But there there's a kind of a level of athleticism in terms of the young guys, uh, Monk, Tht, and then when you couple that with LeBron uh, and Westbrook, like there's I mean. Again, people make fun of the age of the roster and stuff like that, but there's enough athleticism and kind of outlet passing in particular that you don't need to be the fastest guy out there or anything. When you have guys who can kind of kick the ball ahead and you either like rim run or you just kind of leak out or attack early in offense, like you're going to get a lot of transition opportunities. So that that's those two things are going to be something I'm looking forward to, the, the transition game and if they can just kind of be um, passable on defense. The guys, I think a little earlier today uh, Over on Laker Film Room um, uh, Pete was just like Marveling at how at the pace Like how quick they just get the ball And get yeah. it across half court And just how different it's going to be Just keeping an eye on that and watching And then uh, obviously they're they're great uh, One of the best podcasts I'm sure most people who are listening to this And are Laker fans probably uh, are subscribed to that one too Those guys do a really great job But they were laughing They were sort of laughing at the conversation That we were having there too Like I wonder what Frank thinks When he goes back and he's trying to Scheme for defense there, <laughs> there were some There were some moments where it just Didn't look like there was much effort out there But then at the same time like you said there there are some Young there are some Players that with Frank's scheme and I think Being on the court next to someone Like LeBron giving you a little bit of A nudge I, I wouldn't be shocked To see this team improve quite a bit Defensively throughout the year I think they they'll kind of get it People, players will start to kind of understand their roles And where they are out there You'll see, you know, Bazemore, like you said Or, you know, when Ariza gets back I think you'll even see some, you know Like, Nunn is someone who They're athletic and even Monk They're not good defensively They haven't ever graded well But there's no reason why players like that On a good team can't move their feet more And just not be a complete zero So I, I sort of feel like it might be, we might have some games early in the year where we're going eek, you know, the the yeah. missed assignments and stuff. But I sort of think that I really do trust in Frank. He's taken, mm-hmm. you know, like some really some teams last year 
it was last year when we were, and they were missing AD and LeBron both, and that group of players was still able to perform so well on the defensive mm-hmm. end. I think he's always going to get a group to sort of overachieve on that side. Yeah, I, I think that's what the front office, honestly, is kind of baking on. Is Vogel kind of working his magic with, with these guys. And I think something he does, like, in particular really well, and something you were kind of just mentioning there was, like, when you have a guy, like a nun, right, maybe he's not the best defender, he's small, that type of stuff. But what he is, he is very quick. Like you mentioned, he closed out really well. That means he can rotate really well if he can use his speed. So that's something the coaching staff can do is kind of, like, kind of find these, strengths um, Mm -hmm. and kind of utilize those strengths and kind of mitigate their weaknesses so like ellington um i I don't know if it was tim uh laker i'm sorry not uh pete laker film or tim cranchester basketball who's also a really good follow they they mentioned like ellington for example he's not a great on-ball defender but he had like some really nice flashes of like like trailing steph curry in that warriors game like oh there's something there so i think like if you can find the areas Mm -hmm. where these guys can overachieve it's almost like a little money ball ass like yeah because you know like he, ellington can kind of defend someone the way that they would sort of try to defend him almost you know he's the shooter yeah, exactly kind of like, chase them around and maybe yes. get in take an angle or get you know make make the shooter a little uncomfortable that would make him have to have a diff, more difficult shot you know and that's something that they kind of did with kuzma too you know they figured out Hey Kuzma, you can do these things. You can chase. Maybe yeah. you're not as good guarding a bigger, but you know what? You actually can kind of move your feet a little bit, and you've got a good length. And so, if you do these things, and you saw him sort of blossom as a defender, and I think that's a great point. Is just place putting people in their roles. You know, hey, do these small little things well, or just execute there, and this that will very much help our team defense. Because at the end of the day, what does make the Lakers what? what is nice for the Lakers that what they have that maybe one or two other teams in the entire league have is that when everything gets funneled in and the last line of defense is AD. Yeah. That's that's not a bad person. If you get beat or if things go wrong, someone to have to cover you, he is as good of an option as any team has. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if LeBron is locked in, he's another guy like it, like an AD where he can kind of just, Disrupt uh, offenses in terms of his off-ball activity and stuff like that, and and you also bring a guy like Dwight back. And you I was have, gonna say Dwight, man, when Dwight, Dwight comes been, in, for, yeah, I, I thought Dwight looked really good. But yeah, in terms of just the size, they have a lot of size still. And when you go into the paint, you have to deal with that that amount of length. That's still hard to score against, even if the the rotations are not set or there's a a mismatch out there or whatever. That's still something you have to keep in the back of your mind that. And AD is kind of hovering, LeBron's kind of hovering, or Dwight's there. And that 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 type of reputation still counts in terms of playing defense. Uh, LeBron saw in the... It, it's crazy that we've gotten this far and haven't really talked that much about LeBron. But it's just, he's, I think, the third oldest. I saw the, the graphic last night on the, on the game. I think the third <laughs> oldest player in the league. And uh, it's unbelievable that he still is playing at this level when the other yeah. players on that list are... Players that barely get off the bench But it just feels Like for him Getting some time To get off those legs It just was a bad year injury wise For both him and AD last year And I think we saw what happened When he came to LA In his first year and he got banged up He He Really still has that chip on his shoulder He It's not as if he's become older And less competitive In fact it's almost 
the opposite Like he does the washed king hashtags He wants to prove that this old team of ragtag misfits can do it I think we're going to get another pretty good year from LeBron And I feel like that just getting a little bit of time off Not having to go deep into the finals again this year Will help those legs quite a bit Yeah, hopefully And um, I, again, I think LeBron he, he's never, like, even when he, he has a down year, right, it's still very productive. And that's mm-hmm. something that's just going to be the case, it seems like, until he loses this fight with Father Time eventually. But, uh, yep. yeah, like, I am very curious this season what it looks like, given that he will have a guy like Westbrook also out there who's also going to handle a lot of the playmaking, I think. Like, um, like people look at the turnovers and the assists and stuff like that, but West, Westbrook has had the ball in his hands quite a bit also. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to see how that looks next to LeBron. If LeBron is going to play more off ball, is he going to be cutting and stuff? Shooter? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, that's just going to be an interesting, like, little, like, thing to, to put. If you like basketball, through. it's just kind of fun, right? To see how it's going to all play out. Like, there's these pieces on a board that you don't know if they make sense, but you, you think that these, these guys are really smart players and they're very yes. good players. And so, you know, I don't with Westbrook and stuff. I don't know. You know, he's always been sort of a stubborn player. But if he's playing with both of these two guys, is he going to be a little different? He, is he going to want to win? And we don't. We really don't know. That's what's great about it. It's I'm I'm super excited to watch. And uh, Alex, before we let you g- uh, go in a minute and get out of here, so we we start next week on uh, on the 19th. We've got game uh, right off the bat against Golden State, Phoenix, <clears throat> Memphis, San Antonio, OKC. Okay, so what are we going over under three games before Austin Reeves is in the starting lineup? <laughs> Let's <laughs> oh, talk man. a minute about this guy. He is just uh, he he kind of just the, the the biggest compliment that I can give to him is just that he sort of just gets it on the basketball yeah. court. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. Like when you watch a guy play or, or rookies or young players, like especially like I think the biggest thing to to notice or kind of keep an eye on is like if they look like they belong out there, right? Like if they look like they're not lost or if they're getting bullied or it's just going too fast for them. But with Reeves, like honestly, since summer league, even, even not playing with the greatest of teammates, he just looks like he has this poise out there. Like and then yesterday there was this like five minute stretch where the lineup out there was Westbrook, LeBron, Carmelo, AD, and Austin and Reeves. And him. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that speaks I, again. There's injuries and it's it's uh, preseason, all that caveat um, given. But it's still, I think that speaks volumes to how the trust he's kind of winning over with this this coaching staff and with the stars. Like we heard reports coming out of that LeBron training camp they had that Reeves looked really good, and uh, I think this um, this preseason he he's really impressed on both ends. I, I he just looks like he belongs out there, and I think he the has- Lakers. They, they they found they got a little gem uh, mm-hmm. out of this draft, yeah. Got a little decent size. I think Trudell told a good story about him too on the broadcast last night about how when when he was growing up, he was playing with his older brother and one of his friends' older brothers, and the the older brothers were the were the awesome scorers, and so him him and his friend had to just do all the other stuff. And so they just learned how to rebound and die for loose balls and set screens and do, you know, everything else that would help you win. And of course, like Stu Lance was like, that's what everybody should be doing. Of course, you know, he like <laughs> shrugged it off. But it was, a, it, it was, he feels like someone who 
do, does all the right like the small things. You don't want to compare to Caruso because it's yeah. only, obviously, and you get the white guy thing. So everybody sure. immediately wants to just do that. But it, in a sense of just a player that are you could already tell LeBron. He mentioned after the game, like, yeah, this guy's an NBA player. He belongs, and he's just someone that, um, he does. Oh, he checks a lot of the boxes for things that you want players, you know, on the court next to our big three stars to do, right? And and yeah. be willing to do in, in like not upset. There was even a play that Darius referenced where he 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 missed an assignment. Reeves, uh, it was some, he got like back cut, and after he went to go, you know, inbound the ball, and he like slammed his hand on the ball. He not like in a like furious way, but just mm-hmm. in like a damn it, I messed up way, which you you like to see that it bothered him. That he missed that defensive assignment It wasn't one of like the veteran guys who were just like Oh big deal and just kind of jogged back down to the end Like he 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 still he wants To prove it too and uh early on If if some guys are banged up and he Gets an opportunity in in one of those Games and shines that's that's sort of how it It happens right you get you get a shift You know someone's there's There's injuries and then somebody gets into foul Trouble and then you get a shift and you And you do well and you keep going and So if he goes out there and he plays in these first month or two, he might have an opportunity to get some minutes just because of all these injuries. Absolutely. Like uh, that, again, I don't know if Monk or none or Ellington, uh, if all the comp, all three are just a combination are going to be able to play or not Tuesday. But if one or two are missing, like I, I see no reason why Austin Reeves wouldn't be active and wouldn't maybe even see the floor opening night just because again, like you said, he, he has decent size to him. He reads the floor really well. Like they've been giving him like on ball reps sometimes, mm-hmm. like when LeBron to Westbrook out there. Yeah. So he's, he's running pick and rolls. He's he's also like making these really great secondary reads. He's his jumper looks like it's coming along, which is a big thing. Obviously, if you're gonna play next to LeBron and Westbrook at AD, you gotta hit your jumper. And and he's shooting over forty percent so far during preseason. So all those things are really good kind of like boxes to check off in terms of what the, the coaching staff's gonna look for. So yeah, I, I don't I don't see a reason why Reeves can't fight like fight himself into the rotation somehow. But again, a lot of it is going to be tough because there's veterans and other guys on the team mm-hmm. ahead of him. But so far, he's making a great case for himself, and it, it creates a really great problem for Frank Vogel to have. Alex Regla, we've been so lucky to have you for uh, for years now. Alex covers the Lakers for uh, Lakers at Lakers SBN on Twitter. That's their account where you can get all the information there. And that's uh, Silver Screen and Roll. Okay, so Alex, let me predict your. Uh, you and I are recording this on Wednesday night, predicting your your uh, next couple. So we've got um, the Dodgers coming up on Thursday. Um, and then Friday night, I'd imagine you're going to be watching uh, Daniel Bryan versus Suzuki uh, go, going at it there <laughs> for AEW. It's insane. Like, free right? on YouTube, we're getting this match. But yes, for yeah. free on YouTube, it's it's a fun time in the world of wrestling right now because AEW is doing a great job there. Uh, if you're uh, like a real hardcore wrestling fan who's been into the New Japan stuff and just all sorts of different promotions, um, they're uh, they're probably making you smile with a lot of these dream matches that they're making. So um, it, it's been a fun time. And you know what? You know what? They do it just like that. What happened with the uh, the Monday Night Wars years ago? When they get better, it ends up forcing WWE to get better, and they end up having to have put out better shows and stuff because they hear the buzz that AEW is doing well. So if you're a fan of wrestling, it's it's a cool time too because there's a lot going. So hey, we've got some Lakers, Dodgers, and a lot of wrestling coming up uh, in our uh, in our uh, near futures, Alex. That's why October is the best. Literally, you get you get Dodger baseball, you get the Lakers coming back, and then thankfully we have like insane 
wrestling quality right now. We we saw that G one going on. Oh yeah. And all that good stuff. So yeah, I uh, a ton of good stuff to look forward to. Alex, give us uh, your follow uh, on Twitter um, and and let us know. Is there a schedule that you guys record the podcasts on, or is it going to be a little different coming up now with the season starting? Uh, give us some of the information about that. I yeah, I'm not sure exactly if we're going to be shifted or not, but if we're not, we're we're always on Tuesdays. Uh, you can follow us over there on the, the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. There's episodes each and every day, but uh, our show usually comes out on Tuesdays. And yeah, I usually write a weekly piece at Silver Screen and Roll as well. So if you want to follow my stuff, it's uh, Alex M. Regla on Twitter. Alex, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, always appreciate it. Uh, let's go Dodgers. Let's go Lakers. And uh, and uh, let's go wrestling. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Gina. Make sure to give Alex a follow if you are a fan of the NBA and the Lakers in particular. You will really enjoy Alex's stuff. Don't go anywhere, folks. We still have plenty more on this episode of That's What She Said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering. Multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Big thank you again to Alex for helping us out talking some Lakers. We'll have to check in with Alex again uh, later on in the season, see how the Lakers are doing in a few weeks and in just a few hours, I'm going to be firing away at some of these stable duel contests. They have the Crown of Keeneland feeder contest back. They started on Wednesday. So StableDuel.com is the the place where you can get all the information. You can find out about the contest, the schedule. You can go to Stable Duel Shop and check out some of their really cool t-shirts, everything they've got going there. 
the contest for Friday is the one that I'm interested in. There's a Friday contest. Uh, the feature is the Buffalo Trace Franklin County. So if you play in Friday's Crown of Keeneland feeder, you will win a free entry into the Saturday game. And the Saturday game is a $10,000 prize pool at Keeneland on Saturday. You know when Stable Duel and Keeneland team up, it's always going to be a huge contest. Whenever Keeneland's running, Stable Duel has massive, massive contests out there. And the crown of Keeneland feeders are back. So you want to pay attention as we talk about Friday and Saturday Keeneland coming up right now in just a second. So we can get you all prepped if you need a little help for those contests. Let's jump right into Keeneland for Friday. We're going to have another one of those live streams on Friday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Darren Zocali is going to join me. We're going to go over the last five races for Keeneland for Friday, and we're going to do the same thing for Santa Anita's Friday card. We're going to go over the last five races for those, give you some of our best bets, a couple stable dual plays as uh, we turn the page to Keeneland. Sixth race for October the 15th. Get those past performances out. I like the aid in here quite a bit. The first time starter, a little slice of pie. The dam won her uh, first two starts. She finished five of 20, $270,000. Won a grade three in her second start at Arlington and was only seven to one in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. A little slice of pie is a half to a horse named Coastline who earned 466000 Was second in the debut and came back to win in career start number two. Eight siblings, seven of them have won, including a horse named uh, Sky Bistro, who won their only career start. So there is some precocity in this pedigree, and the barn is very capable. 12% with first-time starters over the last five years. They just won with a maiden special weight firster at Ellis Park uh, on August the 8th, a couple months back. The eight horse for me is the play, a little slice of pie, anything around three to one. The one Miss Nushi getting back to the dirt, I like, I just don't love the inside draw. If she was drawn more toward the outside, I would like her a bit more. As we move to the seventh race at Keeneland, we're going to go long on the turf course here, third level allowance, mile and a sixteenth on the turf. The two horses I'm looking towards to build a lot of the exotics around are the 10 and 11. Alta's award and market rumor, both of which are uh, whom are lightly raced on the grass and I think have even more upside on the turf course because of that. You'll notice that market rumor actually outfinished Alta's award a couple starts back um, on the turf when market rumor was was first when winning at Ellis Park and Alta's award finished third that day. Joel jumps aboard for Alta's award, so you get perhaps the strongest finisher in the game. And for market rumor, it'll sort of be the opposite. You have a horse who is really tactical, kind of versatile, and has the opportunity to, to get a jump, or if they go too quick and take back, was just behind a horse named Tuned, who has won three in a row, including $100,000 stakes at Laurel. So 10 and 11, I'm building my exotics around in race number seven. Uh, I'll also take a look at the seven, Enola Gay, who's going to go third start off the long layoff, should be set for her best. Uh, a grade two winner over this turf course should get the trip in here with some pace to chase. And we'll also include the nine, Joy Epifora, who's 0 for the last 15. She just doesn't win anymore, but she's got some class. And if she just shows up with the same type of race as she's been running, that should be good enough to at least hit the board in here. 11, 10, 7, 9, how we have them stacked in race seven at Keeneland as we move along to race number eight at Keeneland. Silver Strand looks like the one to beat to me. I'll take a shot against Center Isle, who's multiple graded stakes placed, but I don't love the fact that you had a you know a little bit of a layoff, then you come back another little bit of a layoff, eleven months off, new barn now, speed on both sides, seven furlongs isn't the easiest trip to try to win at. We haven't seen Center Isle win beyond six furlongs. 
So I'll play against The five silver strand is the one to beat Probably the one to catch I do think Fabricate has a chance in here too She will come running She chased Lone Speed last time out Our Audios jersey Changed Lone Speed Magic Quest two starts back Malloy was sitting right up close So she's been running in races that were Where she's been against the race shape And she's been still performing well To come on late and pick up the pieces Let's say Center Isle and Silver Strand Both go for the lead in here And maybe one or two others That'll really set things up well For Fabricate The number 4 Fabricate I'm using with the 5, 4, 5 and all exotics there At Keeneland in the 8th We move to the ninth. The Buffalo Trace Franklin County And Campanelle no doubt is the one They'll have to beat But I, I do think the one perhaps to bet is the number seven lead guitar, who is she's been really consistent in some of her sprint races. She was in a field of four last time out, and she kept to the inside, and then she got stuck inside, and she was waiting for room in a small field. Petey Bonacci got the uh, got the move, and this gal stayed inside and just did not seem to like it down there. I think lead guitar is very intriguing in here. I'll use the seven in all exotics. Uh, Campanella is, you know, no doubt the horse to beat. The twelve is another one I think is a little bit interesting in here. Change of control. I don't like the post. I think that could, you know, hurt her chances. She faced the boys in the Woodbine Mile last out. She's run some good races here at Keeneland. The twelve change of control will be on a lot of my tickets. Seven, twelve, and four kind of in that top tier for me. Four, seven, twelve underneath. If you're looking for some others, the five in good spirits would not be a shock. Neither would the 9LZ or the 10 Yes, it's ginger But I'll, I'll stack the uh, the 7, 12, and 4 Kind of in the, the top tier In race number 9 at Keeneland on Friday As we move to the 10th and final on Friday And I, I really, really like the 9 in here La Bombonera Who, in the debut Was on a wet track at Churchill Got hooked wide all the way around It was 3 or 4 wide at least Throughout uh, this race Made a middle move right up on even terms With the leaders at the top of the lane Early in the stretch and then tired late The dam is a grade 3 winner Earned $500,000 And I just expect on a fast track Second time out drawn towards the outside This filly has some ability Expecting her to take a big step forward La Bonbonera In race number 10 At Keeneland on Friday Best of luck on Friday over at Keeneland. Hope uh, you make a killing there as we move along from Keeneland to Santa Anita. Get those past performances out for Santa Anita Friday. We are looking Santa Anita. We are looking October the 15th. We're looking at race number five. We'll go five races, five through nine. We'll also give you more information just like this on a live stream Friday morning. If you want to come hang out with us at 11 a.m. Eastern time, you can just uh, follow it on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. It'll pop right up on my tweets. So Terrace, the one, is probably the horse to beat. I thought this race was a little bit more wide open, though. What makes it kind of difficult is I have no idea what the pace is going to be like in here. Nobody's shown speed at all. We can sort of project that some of the horses stretching out from sprints will probably be a little bit quicker, but we don't know. I think the seven ballet dancing has a winning uh, turf sib. Callahan is capable with first-time starters going long. It's not the greatest in the world, but this is not an easy thing to do, get a horse to go long first time out of the box. And Simon is about as good at that as most. Um, two for 27, I think, with recent first-timers going long. This is not an easy thing to do. The two gold dragon queen has three winning turf sibs. Can she show some speed? I'm hoping stretching out from the five and a half for a long sprint race on the dirt last time out. 
The five Carol girl had a slow start. It was about 10 lengths off, going a mile first time out, three wide, then four wide. She did run in a race that's come back pretty live. The the winner, Helen's Well, came back to finish second in a juvenile Phillies turf stakes behind Liam's Dove, the horse who was third in that race. And then Helen's Well came back again to finish second in the Surfer Girl. 7215, how I had him stacked. There's nothing really wrong with the eight. Again, it's just difficult. The dam was a multiple graded stakes winner. 0 for 2 on the turf. Both siblings won on the turf. Baltus is plenty capable first time out of the box. We'll see if he can get this one ready to go uh, long first time out of the box. We move to race number 6. $32,000 claimers. Non-winners of 2. And I'm just kind of Captain Obvious in here. I thought the uh, the 6 Exalted Joy on the drop in class would get a good trip in here. He His race isn't quite as bad as it looks. He was starting to travel well down towards the inside And then he just didn't have any room To run And by the time he did he was just flat Late there was no passing It it was a a wire to wire winner And the winner of that race came back to to win a first level allowance At Golden Gate The runner up came back to win an optional 50 starter uh, Next out So the race has come back live Exalted Joy will use along with The 3 Perfecto Armor Lightly raced Did well first time for Glatt has a little bit of speed, shouldn't be too far out of it And direct line's the one to beat Comes off of that huge win two back And then threw in a little bit of a clunker When facing tougher last time out Direct line will try to sit close in here I had him stacked 6-3-7 In the 6th As we move along to race number 7 $25,000 claimer, 6 furlongs on the turf course I absolutely love The 4 Barrister the Bold The blinkers come on today Third start off the long, long layoff Look at what he's done in his two races since So on August the 12th He hadn't run in a year and a half And it was his first start in 18 months And he had a good start But then he got squeezed back a little bit He tried to move inside And he just did not seem to love it down there He was in really tight He wanted to get off the rail He was still close He still stuck down in there He was only beaten three quarters of a length When it was all said and done He just couldn't get off the inside And then in his next start He was really live because they put him right on the front end Hernandez did They just went way too fast He he broke well, he got to the lead And then a couple others wanted to go And they started pushing him So he just kept going a little bit faster than he needed In order to stay in front of them And it was too fast He fell apart late Now he adds the blinkers Now he cuts back to six furlongs Where he can sit a little bit and track He's got plenty of time in between his races And he should be set for a huge effort Third start off the bench This guy's got some pretty good turf form When you look back I mean he wasn't disgraced by Mo Forza And and legitimate stakes company Early in You know when he came into the the US In late 2019 Barrister the Bold Who is 8-1 to on the morning line If he is anything around 4 I'm going to play a nice win wager on him We'll use the 4 over the 7 and the 10 uh, To me a couple logicals Ian Glass for the very good claiming barn This horse did have some legitimate trouble And seeking refuge draws in So keep an eye on that one as well As we move to the 8th race On the Friday card at Santa Anita Mile on the main track here I thought the one Durante had a shot to try to steal this race From the inside Highly regarded 2 year old But the O'Neill barn hasn't been Awesome with firsters lately um, They've been a little bit better Second time out, not not a ton But just with a more racing Experience Durante, fast Legitimate sprint speed, showed sprint speed In between runners, and now gets the rail Going long, I think he's the one to catch War at sea Liked what he did behind Corniche 
He was able to just kind of move nicely down from the inside angle off the rail for a solid third. Happy runner, though, to me, is the real sneaky horse in here, and I'm going to play this horse to win. Um, The dam was a multiple grade one winner on the dirt going long. The lone sibling has won going long on the dirt. They're going to add the blinkers for a horse who already showed a little bit of pace in the debut going long. So he has a race going long, but it was on the turf. This barn is 7% with first-time starters and 21% with second-time starters and a 327 ROI. This could be a whole new ball game for Happy Runner in here, the number 9. Throw him into some of your late exotics. 916 for me in the 8th race if you're looking to go a little deeper. I mean, I wouldn't talk you off of the... The 7 and the 8, Barossa and Noble Union. Barossa's probably the one they all really have to beat. And the 2, Breakfast Ride. But we'll look for a couple prices in this 8th race at Santa Anita on Friday. As we move to the ninth and final on the Friday card at Santa Anita. Mile on the turf course, Calbred Maiden Special 8's in there. The 2, my main champ, dropping in class. Big drop here, moving from that open stakes to this Calbred Maiden Special on the turf. Agador Spartacus does not wear shoes because they make me fall down, but he does put the blinkers on and he will be forwardly placed. He ran a really good race in his first start on the turf. He'll be in the mix throughout. Sipping and Kissing has a multiple winning turf sib. Four flag is, you know, the one they probably have to hold off, but I a little low on numbers and figures. I had two seven, five, six, nothing really crazy, just the kind of obvious horses to close things out on Friday over at Santa Anita. So best of luck on Friday at Santa Anita, on Friday at Keeneland as we jump from Friday to Saturday. Got to let you know about those Saturday and Sunday pick'em contest at Santa Anita. They combine sports betting and horse racing. You'll have questions that'll ask you, you know, um, over or under in the Rams game coming up this weekend with the Giants. Over or under in that game. Or the spread. The Rams 9.5 nine versus the Giants plus 9.5. There'll be questions like, which of these teams will have the most rushing yards? And they'll list, you know, six or eight teams playing on Sunday. Which race will have the highest payout? All of it, free to enter. Every single contest is free to enter. They pay out $1,000 to the winner every Saturday, every Sunday, Totally free. Get involved right now. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. If you love sports, if you play the races, you will get a kick out of this. It's a lot of fun. Don't forget about the tiebreaker. Make sure you fill that thing out because if you're tied, that's going to really be the uh, the heavy, heavy question that you need to answer to separate everyone. Santa Anita Sports Betting Challenge, the Pick'em Contest, every single Saturday and Sunday throughout the meet. Get to Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. Let's get to Keeneland for Saturday. We've got three best plays for you over at Keeneland. Remember, big stable dual contest for a $10,000 prize pool. And we head to the sixth race for Keeneland Saturday. Looking at a maiden special weight race, a mile and a 16th on the turf course. And I'm looking at the one, hashtag no wonder, who has raced twice on the turf and going long in the debut, then seven and a half furlongs, basically going long both times. In career start number two, she imp- he improved a lot. He got squeezed back at the start. He was eighth of nine. He was about seven or eight lengths off. He split horses, and he really got going. He moved inside, but he ran into some traffic. He he, he was traveling pretty well, and he's stepping forward. One more step forward, a little bit more improvement here. Puts the one, hashtag no wonder. Right on the wire. And anything around 6-1, to one, we'll make a win wager on hashtag no wonder. 
As we move to the 8th race at Keeneland It is the QE2, the grade 1 Queen Elizabeth There are 3 horses I want to mention To use in some of your exotics If Shanti Sorrow wins I probably won't have her I don't know if she's just quite as good As some of the others She's coming off of 2 impressive wins But I don't know who she beat And and how good those groups were Give me the 2, 5, and 10 The 5 nicest is the most intriguing to me Fresh Last we saw she was behind Snowfall One of the best horses in the world So I'm using the 5 nicest in all exotics I'm using the 10 Closing remarks who comes in from Southern California Went back to the grass And was a really good runner up in the Del Mar Oaks I'm a little worried about her post But I could absolutely see her Hitting the board in here and making some noise And we'll use the two technical analysis Who's just really sharp right now for Chad Brown And has won uh, four of the last five Technical analysis on the ticket With the two, uh, with the five and the ten So five, ten, two for me in race number eight At Keeneland Our third play on the Saturday card over at Keeneland Is going to be in race number ten We look to a horse that I think is really rounding into form right now and, and should be set for a good effort That's the number 3, Ghosting Kim In this turf sprint She tried a little longer going 6.5 at Kentucky That's a tough course And she's now going to be making her third start of the form cycle She drew the rail Two starts back Which is not the easiest for someone who's going to come from off the pace like her And that was in her, her first start in a few months She should be set for her best She's proven Going this trip, she's proven at Keeneland Third start off the bench Ghosting Kim Looking ready for a big one She's 8-1 to one on the morning line Anything around 5-1 to will make a win wager there On Saturday at Keeneland Best of luck at Keeneland on Saturday Couple best bets for you over there at Keeneland As their awesome meet continues to roll on A couple weeks left there as we move along to Santa Anita We'll talk a little Santa Anita Saturday Don't forget about those pick'em contests Get involved right now Sign up, free to enter Have a chance at winning $1,000 Every Saturday and every Sunday Speaking of Saturday, Santa Anita Saturday we're looking at October the 16th And I'm going to race number one Get on the bus It's time to go we're going with the number 6 Get on the bus Who is going to be cutting back Tried a mile and 3 eighths last time out And that was just a little bit too far He was wide He was in between He got shuffled back And he wanted to show a little bit She I keep saying he She wanted to show a little bit more speed Don't be shocked if they get her more involved early in this race And she's sitting closer than it looks like She's wanted to sit in her last few Her win came when she was only a few lengths out of it She is a legitimate animal She's got some ability She just needs the right kind of trip If she's anything around 4-1 to one, We'll make a win wager on get on the bus Hoping she doesn't have to be hooked as wide Maybe they can find a nice spot to settle in Then uh, you know, angle out and make one run In the second race I don't know if you want to necessarily bet this horse to win But if you're playing any early pick 5s I'm going to single the, the number 4 The great one If you smell what the rock is cooking The great one was a classy horse for O'Neill um, at the beginning of the year Earlier in the year And was off for quite a while Didn't run from the Santa Anita Derby Until the shared belief stakes on August the 29th And was behind Medina Spirit And Rock Your World And just needed that race 
It was his, his a race that he needed. He ran like a horse that needed it. He was involved a couple lengths out, and then he tired. He should get so much out of that race. Slight cutback to seven furlongs. He can sit a little bit if he needs to. The four, the great one. He's five to two on the morning line. I'm just going to single him in the early exotics. As we move to race number seven at Santa Anita. And I'm going to the number four in here. This is the California Distaff Handicap. They're going to be going down the hillside turf course. I don't know if Anna Fantastic can last the six and a half furlongs against this type of a group, but she's going to be on the lead, right? There's really not that much speed. I know Bella Vita is more of a presser, and Bella Vita can show some speed if need be, but I imagine Anna Fantastic gets the lead in here. Bella Vita tracks off, and with Edwin, he will send hard on Anna Fantastic. We'll see how far she can take him. You, you know, if you can get a five to one shot who should be on the lead. That's what I'm going to take here. Anything around 5-1 to one on Anna Fantastic will be the line for me. As we move along to race number 8 at Santa Anita, we've got Calbred Maidens, $50,000 claimers in here, 6 furlongs the distance. I think it's a great spot for the 6. Respect the ride. This is what Luis Mendez does. This is his bread and butter. Getting 2-year-olds, getting horses ready, first time out. This is not a strong group. There are no monsters in here. Nobody scares you. The dam of Respect the Ride was a six-time winner. Steady tab for the number six, Respect the Ride, trying to get this two-year-old filly into the winner's circle. First time out, 8-1 to one on the morning line. Anything around 5-1 to one worthy of a win wager. As we move to the ninth and final at Santa Anita on Saturday, Calbred Maiden Special Weights on the turf course here. Phillies, two-year-olds. I like the one, Infinite Love. Now, she will need to improve on Candy on top, but... That was both of their first start going long. It was Infinite Love's first start on the turf. So I think she has the right to have a little bit of upside and and maybe step forward. Candy on top could also get involved in the early pacing here. And Infinite Love should save all the ground and come running late. 6-1 to on the morning line. Anything around 4-1 to worthy of a win wager there on Saturday at Santa Anita. Best of luck and don't forget about those Santa Anita Pick'em contest, totally free to enter every Saturday and Sunday. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. I'll post some links out there that you can just click right to for those Santa Anita free pick'em contest on Saturday and Sunday. We move from horse racing to wrestling. Chad Cooper joins us for this week in wrestling. We talk AEW, News, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, everything happening in the last week of wrestling with Chad Cooper. It is October the 14th as we record this interview with Chad Cooper. It's time for this week in wrestling with Koopa Loop. As uh, Koopa did feel a little different this week with Dynamite um, not on Wednesday. They will have a Friday Rampage and they'll have a Saturday night edition of Dynamite. So the wrestling kind of week was a little different this week. It's going to be a little different next week too because we're going to have a Crown Jewel I think on Thursday. Um, which will you know throw... Sort of everything into whack in the wrestling week, but uh, you and I joked a little before. It's a little refreshing. There wasn't as much uh, of of a back and forth on Wednesday night between folks who just seemed to be kind of kicking back and doing other things. Yeah, I got on Twitter last night and I went, "Wait a minute," because I I always look at trends constantly uh, on on Twitter. Um, That's how a lot of people get their news. And uh, I said, "Wait a minute, AEW." Dynamite is not number one. What is <laughs> what is happening? There's no baseball. 
there's no football. Uh, hmm, what is happening? Then? Ah, then I was reminded instantly when I saw people saying, well, you better watch Rampage on Friday night because we're going to kill SmackDown. <laughs> we're going to kill SmackDown like Goldberg's going to kill Lashley and Arn's going to kill Cody. So, so this week we got coming up um, SmackDown. Uh, so there's no Dynamite because the NHL season started. Right. So the uh, now TBS and TNT have contracts with with hockey for the first time. They they haven't showed hockey before, so they're going to be showing hockey on their channel. So there are going to be some Dynamite episodes that are going to be moved around, just like when um, when their episodes get bumped for NBA games. So this week there is. Friday Rampage and there's Friday Smackdown Friday Smackdown is going to be bumped from Fox because of baseball playoffs So they're going to be on FS1 so because they're on FS1 they decided to Do Kind of promote their show to make it a little bit Bigger because WWE Fox Versus FS1 is a difference Of hundreds of millions of homes Like Fox on national TV Everybody's got that FS1 is actually a network that isn't even in as many homes as like TNT and TBS are. Uh, so they WWE usually has to do a better job of kind of promoting shows on FS1 because they just don't get that that channel doesn't get very very good ratings at all. So they want to do a little extra show. They want to have a Becky versus uh, Sasha match. They want to have Brock showing up, and so they're going to have a a super show where they go a little bit longer. So that pissed off Tony Khan <laughs> and and. Uh, <laughs> Tony Khan fires back and they're going to have a buy-in to Rampage and on YouTube they're going to have Daniel Bryan versus uh, Suzuki um to sort of lead into Rampage and then uh, they'll have Rampage coming up after that so um it's funny because we haven't seen really anyone from WWE take like fire shots towards AEW that much because you you wouldn't really expect them to they they're the bigger company but AEW is really over the last couple of weeks we saw the young bucks doing it on social media with the 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 sneakers and the the Jordans <laughs> reference and Tony said we are gonna beat you this week we are gonna like he was very aggressive about uh and confident so it's kind of fun to see um but then at the same time I. Like I, I think a lot of fan, like wrestling fans enjoy the the back and forth stuff. I don't I don't really because I just kind of want both companies to focus on themselves and doing what's best for them. I I agree. You know, it, it look I don't expect Tony Khan to lay down and say you know like the Jacksonville Jaguars have <laughs> and and that that dumpster fire. You know, same family. Uh, <laughs> Somebody said, "How does Urban Meyer still have a job when Gruden has been ousted and all these guys are?" I, I don't know. That's separate. I shouldn't have took, taken that shot. No, but, but no, you're right. You're right. Absolutely, it's true. You know, you you don't expect him because because he's fiery. All the guys on the roster are. Um, it, it's it's obvious that their goal this week is to uh, have one more viewer than WWE on FS1. I, I know even when FS1 Fox Sports One puts these wild card and uh, division series games uh, on even during the day. I mean, people have a hard time finding it. Uh, you know, with Fox, you don't even have to have cable. You can have rabbit ears and that thing comes in. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's spirited. I'll give it that. Um, and and they're I, tr- I like here, here's what I I like when Tony's response back is to put to put on good matches. 
Yes. And sure. want to stack a show. I don't necessarily love it when he's like, we're better than you, you know, yeah. that kind of a thing. Yeah. Because then that comes anytime anyone does that, it sort of comes off like just bit like bitterish, right? Not big league, you know? Um, like like if you want to respond by stacking your show, well, that's cool. That's great. Then I understand that. And as a fans, we'll benefit from that. And putting it on YouTube, what I don't I mean, that's the problem. That's the problem I have. Because I, I mean, I don't know how many WWE fans, even if they do, even if they get a big number on YouTube, I I, I mean, I know a lot of people stream YouTube on television. Look, I, I'll, I'll say that. I know a lot of people that have, what is it, YouTube Red. I know a lot of people subscribe to YouTube, but I, I don't know how much that's going to make a difference because a lot of people will be watching from their phones as well. And if you want to watch SmackDown, because this week's SmackDown is pretty, pretty loaded. You, yeah. you have to you, you said it right. They, they have to do something big. They are. Um, it looks like Survivor Series is going to be big. Um, it looks like the Royal Rumble now. Uh, the poster has been leaked. Uh, Brock Lesnar is on it. So it looks like WWE is 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 gearing up for big shows. What I'm disappointed in is we kind of like earlier this summer, it's like Raw was bad. And then it started getting better and over the last couple of weeks this week was horrible it was, was horrible bad. and, and, and i gotta say shows, people just tuned smackdown out. wasn't very good this week either i gotta say i know it was it wasn't it wasn't as good the ratings were still strong and this is the one question i asked you a couple of weeks ago or last week when we when we uh went through this draft now we know the changes really don't take effect until October twenty second, right? And but last Friday was the season opener, and they got a pretty strong rating, right? But I thought there just felt like something was going to affect both of these shows, and I tell you this, I was very disappointed on Friday, and even more disappointed on Monday. Monday was a train wreck. Completely agree, and and I love SmackDown, but I. I... At the at the end of the show, it was just very didn't love what they did with the. We'll talk about the women, um, and and the the crown, the women's king of the uh king of the ring tournament that they're doing, um, just not great. So it's a, this is a really difficult month for wrestling. We talked last month about how incredible the ratings were for wrestling for both of these shows. They were doing great, right coming right out of the summer and into the fall, and then what ends up happening now. October comes around and you have baseball playoffs. Basketball starts next week. There's NBA preseason games going. The Lakers play their game, their first game on Tuesday. You've got college and pro football for both of them playing. You've got hockey that just started. And now at this point by October, all of the new TV shows are out for their new networks. Heck, every single week, Netflix. And Hulu and are dropping shows. I'm excited for you, season three that's coming out on Friday. I'm gonna be watching that crazy soapy drama that I love. So I mean, everyone's there's a lot of stuff out there to watch right now, and and these shows are suffering a little bit. And and the problem is is that you know AEW was doing this for a while, and we in and, and W and WWE had been too. You can't put out. A huge show every single week You try but it just You can't quite do it There's not going to always be the buzz Or for whatever reason And 
they they both had to be really careful right now, you know, over the next couple months because there's a lot of other things out there. We've seen it with AEW, their ratings continue to decline big time. Raw took a huge hit on Monday and it's it's just hard when you have all these debuts for AEW, right? Everybody debuted over a few weeks span. You got Daniel Bryan and Cole in the same night that come out. And and then of course the next few weeks won't be as hot. WWE Big E wins the title You've got the draft you've got all these things happening And then this week you just Kind of was a regular Monday Night Raw So they gotta be careful Because when you're doing things and throwing everything And it's going well and then you stop You can kind of like You can feel it the noticeable feel In a difference And I believe that I, for me the biggest disappointment For those those big pops Without a doubt has been CM Punk um, Yeah buzzworthy um, Yeah Twitter buzz but I, I just, uh, other than than Cole and Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson, I, I, it's just, it's hard for me. I, I, I know we talked about the age, the age factor, and it just seems like the older the wrestler looks, yeah, they're still there, but it's just, it's missing something. And I think, punk be, and I think, punk, and I think punk being away for so long hurt his wrestling career more than it's helped. I'm not, I'm not saying money-wise, because I'm sure he's getting paid handsomely by uh, Tony Khan, but just something's not there. So, no. Something is missing there, and he's on this show this weekend, right? He's on Friday night. He was Rampage. on last week. They got 500. They, yeah, and, and it was, the, first, it was they horrible. Barely crept over 500,000. Barely. Crept yeah, over 500,000. That was not good. And, and this week, you're probably going to get an uptick just because there's just been so much buzz about we're going to beat you and WWE is super now, sized. I, I wonder, you do know? you think it helps them or hurts them that they didn't have a dynamite? I think it, I, I think it's going to help them. I do too, actually. Normally, because I would say I it was going to hurt them because they, that, if they couldn't promote that, it. Right. But I, Think that that people are oh there wasn't dynamite so maybe they're like there's they a little bit more of a, yeah a longing for AEW or something so they'll they'll tune in a, but I don't think they're gonna get like they're not gonna get a million no, they, they're, no they're, way. they got five they've gone down every single week from the from week one like they're gonna be in the six if, if they go back up into the six hundred thousand range I, I you know I don't know how much they go up I still think WWE and on is gonna be in the 900,000 to a million around a plus. I mean, they they're going to be like in that range I I still feel, but the uh the punk stuff is interesting. Before we jump into the uh the uh Smackdown. So we, we don't have dynamite to recap this week, so we'll go through Smackdown. We'll talk a little bit about what happened on Rampage last week and then uh, we'll get into uh Raw and NXT. The the thing with Punk that's interesting is when before he debuted, the buzz and all of the talk leading up to it and even the day that he debuted i was i was surprised we talked about it we were both surprised that i mean i was watching football games that were talking about how cm punk is coming this weekend like random stuff where i was like oh my gosh cm punk is like a bigger deal than i thought and then it hasn't showed up no. in the numbers that's the one thing and that he, was and weird he hasn't because maintained at all no and it's weird because i i I couldn't feel more differently in just like a month, and I, because I were, I was shocked. Oh my gosh, I didn't think Punk was that. 
I didn't think Punk was someone that was going to get people on the basketball podcast I was talking about. Like, hey, CM Punk's coming back tonight. I'm watching. I had a couple <laughs> people text me, and they were like, CM Punk's wrestling tonight in a different comp. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to watch. And I was like, wow, this person hasn't asked me anything about wrestling. I'm, I'm surprised that Punk did it so much. I don't know if it was those people tuned in and then just weren't that impressed because they haven't tuned back in or – Maybe a lot of those people just talked about it and who never even tune in, but it's weird because there was a huge buzz about this guy. It was massive. And, and why and the million dollar question, Gino, is why has it been able to maintain some exactly. look? Social media buzz is one thing, right? Because that's where a lot of people that that that's where a lot of people stay. But then again, when you when you go on the television side of things. I, it, it's hard to fake numbers. It's hard to fake YouTube numbers. So you're going to get a pretty good indication of the longevity of it. Do you think he's? it's not because he hasn't been used right or they tuned in the first time and went, uh, not the same CM Punk. I liked him when he was in WWE. I'm more familiar with that territory as opposed to this, even though there's a lot of former WWE guys. Why do you think he hasn't been able to produce numbers? It's got to be a combination of the of the two of them because it it's weird that so many people were talking about him and then it went from that to nothing. Right, nothing. Like you don't hear any buzz about. I don't hear any buzz about Punk really at all anymore. No, not at all. I hear more about Cole and more about Brian Danielson. Man, I look. You know, I think it really hurt. It, it did. I think it really hurt him. He had an. Embarrassing career in mixed martial arts. I know, hey, I'm not faulting the guy for doing it because, hey, look, if I wanted to do something and I do it and I fail, I just, I do it. I think that was handled poorly. Um, I think the UFC was kind of backed into the corner. And I'm, I'm a big, big believer in that model and UFC for, for all the hell that people give Dana White, you have to, you have to give them credit about what they were able to do during the pandemic to mm-hmm. keep everyone employed and keep some sports on TV. Cause we basically had horse racing with no wrestling fans. and MMA. That was it. Right. And MMA, <laughs> right. So I think UFC was kind of backed into a corner with this guy because they knew he probably wasn't any good because this is two different worlds. Regardless, he's not a Brock Lesnar freak type fighter. I'm sorry. I don't know how good, People are when they roll around on the mats and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's one thing. When they when the headgear comes off and, and you're in the UFC, th- this is a whole new world. I think that hurt him. Um, I know he kind of hung around MMA for a while. He did some regional MMA announcing when Axis TV was independent and they were doing like legacy fighting championships and before UFC's fight pass became a big thing and they they bought up all the regional uh uh, contracts to show MMA events. I think that hurt him. Um, I think it helped. Uh, I think AEW did everything right for his promotion. And I just think it was a big flop. I, I do. There's some things that are coups and some things that are flops. You know, it's like NBA and first round draft picks and NFL. Some things happen and some things not. This, this is, and it's been a failure. I'm sorry. I wonder if. You almost wonder if for the the for Punk and for where he is in their company moving forward, if it would have been better to bring in Punk 
and just punk for like a month. I totally agree now. Absolutely. Right. And then you wait on Daniel Bryan. I I know it's hard because you don't want to wait. You got these guys that want to come, right? I mean, we're 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 uh, you know afterwards saying woulda, coulda, shoulda stuff, right? If Daniel Bryan and and Adam Cole are there and they're like, we want to wrestle hey, for you. We're your ready company. to go. I brought my trunks. You want to yeah. get them in on get them on TV yeah. right away. So I get it, right? Totally. But it's like one of those things where, like you 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 compared it to a sports team, and I love that comparison. It's sort of like. What's best for your rookie quarterback? You know, what's the best position to put him in? And I'm comparing Punk to a quote-unquote rookie quarterback, even though he's not. But I'm saying in this position, what would have been better, what would have been best for Punk and what was best for the company are probably two different things, you know? And that's where it's a little bit weird because that happens in sports all the time. What's best for one individual player sometimes isn't what's best for that team or that franchise or where they are That's why Veteran teams trade away young players Sometimes so that because they're not on the same Wavelength it was It was just interesting because as soon as these Guys came in it's like well Daniel Bryan's like better than you You know and it's that immediately when you, think, look, when you think about CM Punk Right now what what What's some of the First things that pop into your head For CM Punk you, you, the two, number one, the two guys that showed up the, the, right after him are better than him at the things that he was better than everybody else at back then. Adam even, Cole's a better talker. Yes. Brian Danielson is a better wrestler. And and that's my point. You know, when you think CM Punk, the one thing you think about in WWE was his promos. Um, the pipe bomb, look, you're not going to replicate any any of that. And I think they tried to. And he sat down in the ring, and I know they got a big pop from the arena, but I don't think it did a lot of things for people that watched. It, you can't replicate that. Things that he said that night in the ring, I think he has already said, and we've known this. I think they they did a good job of of bringing him in. Again, we talk about this word every week, and it's not a Goldberg or Art Anderson word. <laughs> It's execu- they executed this. They it's just not well done, and and I know he gets a lot of that was great. You know, I know I look. I know he gets a lot of, uh, you know, do what you want to type deal because you know that's what a lot of these guys are are and girls are liking when they go over there. But I, I just think it was he needs to was, be an asshole soon. It's very soon because this gimmick of coming out here every week with these silly promos. Uh, do you love me, guys? And giving. Sneakers away That's fun for in-house It's not fun for TV dude It's just not It's not We have I think I might have An idea of Who his next feud Is going to be with Because He is no longer The voice of the voiceless But Kyrie Irving Is now the voice (laughs) Of the voiceless Are are we gonna get CM Punk Versus Kyrie In an (laughs) AEW ring He's not playing in the NBA right now. He said that was great. I laughed. I saw Kyrie say he wants to be the voice of the voiceless. And I was like, like wait a minute. That gimmick is up for grabs right now. Punk drops in a few da, 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 da. <laughs> Who knows? We get a Kyrie sighting in AEW. Uh, let's jump into our uh, our show recaps as we get to SmackDown from last week. And it was the season premiere. I love when they do things like that. Yeah. It's like season premiere. <laughs> You have a new episode every freaking week There's no season <laughs> premiere um, And uh, they let us know What's on tap for the night And we have The contract signing 
right off the bat between Becky, between Sasha, and between Bianca. And I did like the way this ended. It's normal what you always expect in one of these contract signings. They're, you know, going to end up with them, you know, getting into a, a, a schmoz. But Bianca puts Becky and Sasha up and goes with the K- on top and hits the KOD, both of them through the table, which was uh, pretty badass, I thought. They just gotta be a little careful with what they're doing with with th- these women and with uh, with Charlotte too, because we're just seeing so much of them. Yes, and that's what's what's worrying me. And we're seeing every time these combinations of women are going to be in a match, it's going to be great. They're going to be good in the ring, whatever they're doing. But they've had a few of these matches now where it's like, oh, they set up for a big match, and you know, there's not going to be a clean finish. They've done it a couple times now So they just got to be a little careful Because they're doing this again on Friday It's going to be Sasha versus Becky In basically uh, a no commercial match Right right? I think they're they're going to have that match run straight through And that should be great But you got to imagine That's going to probably end with Bianca Getting involved in some way, shape, or form Right? Yeah, because They did a pretty good job with 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 Sasha and Bianca uh, in that feud and keeping them separated, and then you know, I hate contract signings; they never work. They're over. Uh, They're so played out nowadays. And then there was no contract signed in the segment, and I think Becky signed it later in the night. I, I, I am with you. I do like the way it ended. It was better than what it could have been instead of flipping over ta- tables. But it, it carried over to a Raw in a match where if Charlotte and Becky and Bianca and Sasha, it just we didn't really even get an ending, and that's what I don't like because I like anticipation. Don't give me somebody versus somebody, and then we get these tag combinations or we get these contract signings every week. And I know it leads up to next Thursday, you know, the crown jewel. We have Becky, Bianca, and Sasha. We've got to start ending a couple of things here pretty soon. And again, we, we need to figure out what we're going to do with the SmackDown's Women's Championship. Right, and they're all of it. They got to flip some way. Flip it, tell us. Don't just like all of a sudden, hey, Monday night, you know, Becky's the Raw champ. So hopefully we get some clarification that, but the contract signing, it's just, it it really doesn't do anything. I I mean, I I don't know. There was no contract sign. That was a dud. It did end it in a pretty cool spot or two. So Good spot, but yeah, it's, and all three of these women are doing a good job in their roles. Like yes. Becky's playing the heel great. I like how Bianca is coming off like the 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 baby face that's like not stupid. You know, she's being legitimate and she's just like logical. Um and Sasha's Sasha, but they just they got to be careful, you know? You just don't want to feel like, oh, we've seen them over and over and over again and, and it doesn't feel as special when there's a lot of other talented women throughout the roster that you can Mix in with some of these women that are Definitely probably a level above them But that's what wrestling is about Like it's not always just about The top stars against the top stars all the time Because we get a little sick of it And throughout this show It's a little disappointing because we have Some of the men's king of the ring Matches and they're really good And they give the men Time and they give them an opportunity To go out there and to have a legitimate match And then in the women's matches That we'll talk about not only were they two minutes, they made absolutely no sense who won those matches. None. Like, Zero. Z- 
nothing, no sense whatsoever. So um, we get to the the first King of the Ring match, and it was Rey Mysterio versus Sami Zayn backstage. Sami kind of says something to Dominic. They've been teasing that interaction, which I'm actually a bit interested in because Sami's just so annoying and such like a good needler that he can. Hey, you know what? Like, just don't. Do what you want to do, Dominic. Like, do what you feel, right? Like, what's a da- a dad? Who who needs a dad? You know, he's just <laughs> like Sammy's just really good at that kind of a you know playing that. And he during the match that they have, it, it's it's a good match. He undoes the turnbuckle, and so Dominic gets back, gets out on the rings uh, on the on the apron. He's trying to put the turnbuckle, uh, the cover back on it, the ringside pad, and Ray is. Distracted he tells Dominic to get down And then that ends up you know Leading to Sammy getting the win this has been Dragging on a, a little they got to Pull the trigger with Ray and Dominic Soon I the, the Sammy part Of the needling I enjoyed and the match Was actually pretty good a Very good match um, I, I'm just hoping the Ray And Dominic does not get drug Out to Wrestlemania And I, I'm I afraid too much, right? and, uh, You're right I'm, I'm afraid because we could see like a Royal Rumble elimination, right. right? And then that lead to the match down the line, but it's too far away. They got to figure something out sooner. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know what match was good. I'm okay with Sammy going over here. Um, I just, I don't know what's left between Dominic and Ray that we don't already know because Dominic's gonna have to be the heel, right? The kid. Turns on the dad, and look, it's it, it's going to be an interesting storyline in turn. I, I have no problem with that, and that's what I think we wanted. Just do it. Just do it. Let's not wait. Let's just do it. It's it, it's been enough. You told the story. They were tag team champs. They split up. Dominic's been struggling. Dad keeps kind of bothering him. It, they're 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 every time they try to help one another, it's just off. Now's the moment. Sammy moves along in the King of the Ring. Um, Sammy will face. The winner of Finn Balor versus Cesaro Is going to happen on this show He faces the winner next week Um, We got Seth backstage And he Just talked about what he's done He mocks Edge Talks about how he beat uh, beat Edge And that he You know he went into his house And Edge still won't step up to him And he's just talking trash to him So you know it's whiny Seth Calling out Edge, where are you? What's happened? As uh, they're continuing on a little bit, so they haven't announced the match. They um, later on, I guess we can kind of hit on everything that happened with these two guys. Um, as later in the show, Rollins asks Pierce and Sonya if Edge is going to be there or not. They say that they don't know he was supposed to be, and then Rollins ends up actually coming out. Later calling out Edge Edge pulls up in his car From the back he runs out And he goes crazy on Seth and he's got that look in his eye Edge then mentions Hell in a cell So that's actually The way I, I believe That's the way that we they went off the air With Edge uh, You know giving Rollins the evil eye The evil look They never said they, they still haven't said when it's going to happen Though right well, I can tell you this. I went to WWE's website last night. I was doing some notes preparing for the show, and the match is listed on Crown Jewels. Okay. We we have Edge versus Seth in a hell of a, in a cell. It's on a- Crown Jewel, 
you know, it's, I I would, maybe we get more on it tomorrow because we have a SmackDown tomorrow. Um, I I felt like this show was kind of built around Rollins. Uh, Yeah. You know, several backstage segments. Mm -hmm. I I like when he had the pick, he he brought the photo with him of Edge and and Beth Phoenix, and he had the little photo with him. Um, I, I, I like the way it ended. I do like SmackDown having a match to end it. I, I just haven't been a big fan of, of the brawls, but I'm okay with this. I just wish we would have got some clarity saying, okay, as we go off, it's official next Thursday, but I guess we're going to get that on Friday. I, I'm yeah. going to hope because it is on Crown Jewel's website. We have seven matches for Crown Jewel. That show is pretty loaded. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. No, actually six. So we'll have one more, I believe. But it's a, it's a stacked show. But I would think we would get some clarity on the announcement of it because they just kind of snuck it in there. But it, it it's all it's listed on uh, WWE.com and Crown Jewel, Hell in the Cell match. I assume um, I, you would think maybe it was the main event, but with Roman and Brock, I guess that's probably the way you go. But I, I would do Hell in the Cell as my main event. Should be really good, and uh, yeah, all the the Seth Edge stuff. I've I've been a fan of pretty much yes. almost all all of it all the way through. Um, yeah. I think they've done a really good job with uh, with everything there between the two of them, and they have not done a good job with the Queen's Crown tournament. As the first round match, Zelina Vega versus Tony Storm. Okay, first of all, <laughs> okay, Tony comes out, and what the hell is with this eighties thing? <laughs> like, and where did the comments? You know, Where did just, this uh, come from? She's like, yeah, Joan Jett and Springsteen and you know, and and, and like McAfee is joking. He says something about the age. He's like, her mom. He, he he made a comment. The better better snap. I don't know about what they did in the eighties, but this is nowadays. Like, you know, and <laughs> okay. So I, the, the yeah. look is her look is great. She comes out. Yeah. She looks great. She looks a little unique. Good looking. She can go in the ring. And then they do this weird kind of gimmick, the 80s thing. She can be a rocker or a punker or whatever. I don't know why you say she loves the her and her mom are fans. It's so weird. Yeah, it's and, odd. Very odd. And then she gets – she loses in two minutes. Yeah, you built her up, right? And you think the everything's about her. And Zelina Vega, who, hey, I adore. I like Me her. Me too. But she, she is not be going over Tony Storm. She is the one of the lowest portrayed wrestlers on the women's roster. You and that's not fired based on her. You skill. released her. And, and that's not even based on her skill level or anything. She is someone that does not win matches at all, ever. And now you have her beating this brand new young up and coming prospect that is someone that you all felt like we wanted to get behind and this does not make any sense to me None whatsoever I love Zelina, I think she's great I don't know why you have her beating Tony In this, and have her beating Tony in Two minutes The boldness of Joan Jett, the tenacity of Bruce Springsteen And the epicness of Madonna Oh my goodness <sighs> Oh my goodness lose. And it only gets worse from here though it does. Just hold, hold the, That match is Zelina, hold my beer yeah, it it does get worse. Um, we get uh the bloodline. The Usos, I thought that was a good segment. Me too. The Usos and Heyman was good. Uh, they came out in the ring, and you know Roman's basically asking Heyman, "What are you, you know What are you doing? You're gonna turn on me right now?" And then Heyman cuts this 
great promo where he says, you chose me, you rescued me, you saved me to be your counsel because you knew I'm you know I'm a wise man. I've been accused of many things and I'm guilty of even more, but I've never been accused of being stupid. And pulling the trigger now on a scheme to dethrone, dethrone the tribal chief would be stupid. Why pull the trigger before Crown Jewel? Wouldn't the best thing be to stay in Rain's circle of trust, then leak a plan to Lesnar? Only a stupid man would do that. Reigns would never choose a stupid man to be his counsel. He, uh, he says Lesnar can't stand the fact that at Crown Jewel the conqueror will be Roman Reigns. He said he told Brock that years ago that he has met his match in Roman, and he says this is not a prediction. Brock, that's a spoiler, and you can't <laughs> believe that. And he <laughs> drops the mic. That was it. Was good. It was, it was well fantastic. done, Paul. He goes from crying one week on SmackDown. You know, he thought he was going to get fired. This is uh, the WWE has not messed this up. I mean, this is just incredible stuff. It, it doesn't get old with Roman Reigns and and Paul Heyman and the two lackeys, the Usos, makes it even better. But th- this this could go on for a while, and and I'd be okay with this. It just leads to what happens next Thursday. Mm-hmm. Do we get a clean finish? I think last year. I don't know if we had a crown jewel last year. I can't remember. Maybe the year before that, we had some we had some title changes. So, is this? Do they do this, or do we have a squirrely finish? I think I think it's more likely to be a squirrely finish with the. That's Uso. why I don't think it's going to be the main event. Yeah, me neither. I I agree with you. We could get a squirrely finish here, and that leads more down the line. They continue to you know. Brock has to win the Rumble or something like that. I Brock's on the Royal Rumble poster. That's what I, will t- so I can see him maybe having to win the Rumble to get to face Reigns again or something along those lines. But uh, yeah, I enjoy I enjoy all this, and um, we get a uh, uh, we talked about Seth and everything that happened with him and Edge oh, Queen's tournament first round matchup Carmella Whew. versus Tony Storm, and it's the same thing. Carmella comes out, she gets the little makeup crew to put her mask on, and <laughs> Um, Liv takes her down. I mean, th- this match goes like a minute, one thirty-three to be exact. How embarrassing is that? I'm all for quick matches if they get some kind of spot or highlight finish. Liv should have been the one winning this match quickly. It should have been the exactly. opposite. And now you have Zelina and Carmelo, the Carmella this Friday night in the right for the finals, right on on that side of the bracket. Come on, I mean, honestly, yeah. and I think we know where that's going. Why wouldn't I love Carmella? Hey, too. I love her. It Smoke doesn't Joe make sense, though. Doesn't make any sense to put her over. No, not right now at all. The, and if you're going to have Shayna win, why not have it be a baby face on the other side that she's going to face in the final? Because it, I'm be thinking it's going to be. Or I would love to see Shayna and Tony in the finals. Shayna and Tony or Shayna and Liv. Either yes. one of them, have them have. A better showing against Shayna than everybody else has, but Shayna can still beat them and look strong. It doesn't make them look weak if they don't tap out to a, a or pass out to a submission or something like that, right? right? Like, I just this does not make any sense whatsoever. There are a lot of people out there that are complaining about this, and I agree with you. They this is right something to, to complain about because hey, we look- give. Gino, we talked about how stacked and how talented the women's division is in WWE. Without we give them credit for that all the time. So you know what? When they don't do right by them, we need to critique them. And this was not cool this, at all. No, uh, just bad. It's very bad. 
After the match, Carmella stands tall, and it's Carmella versus Vega in the semifinals next week. Again, both of them as performers, I think, are great. I think they have great roles. They can play, they are absolutely someone that should be on your women's roster. And if you booked them and built them up over time, we've seen Carmella be a women's champion. I think you could do the same exact thing with Zelina if you wanted. If you built her a little bit, you just haven't done that at all. She always loses. Have her win three or four weeks in a row, even if it's cheating, and then put her in and have her qualify to get into this tournament. And then at least you kind of feel like, okay, you know, but how many times did we see Zelina and Carmella just lose over and over to Bianca repeatedly? <laughs> and now they're right back in like a now we're supposed to believe again that they're like legitimate contenders. It's just poor way of doing this. WWE um Mace was backstage. He said he's coming to annihilate and he <laughs> locks off um Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm disappointed here. Me too. I'm bummed because I loved where things were going with Corbin. I've seen some people actually in that don't mind this. This just annoys me. It the does. Matt Moss is just like, eh. Like I'm not, I'm just not interested in it. And I was I was so interested in Corbin just a month ago. Yeah, just the 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 lonesome that the loser. And I was okay with the buildup, you know, with, with him winning, but I just don't get this and and, and him and KO uh, and KO it, just keeps looking like crap or just it's bad it's not good man it, it's just I'm ho- I, I'm gonna hope for the best after we get past Thursday at Crown Jewel I'm hoping some things change um, but this was a bad week for Smackdown and Raw it, it, was. it just was it was yeah. didn't love what, what happened there I like I what do. Naomi's doing. Me too, though. I do like this. Naomi backstage, she wonders why she's not in the tournament. Sonia says that Naomi isn't worthy of being a queen or even on the SmackDown roster. Next week, they're going to have a match. I'm actually really looking forward to that because I don't know what's going to happen. But if we do get Sonia and Naomi for a few minutes in there, like a furious Naomi, um, yeah, that could be fun. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be better than Zelina and Carmella. <laughs> I agree. I'm much more intrigued by that as we got a very good match, as you would expect, between Finn Balor and Cesaro in the King of the Ring first round. And uh, Finn Balor gets the win. Yeah, just really, really good match from two excellent workers. Solid. Um, you can't go wrong with with Finn or Cesaro going over. Um, I'm happy that Finn got the win. It made more sense. But again, you know, uh, it, at some point, uh, meaningful matches are going to not be enough for a couple of these workers, and Cesaro needs a program to be in. But again, just a good, solid 10-minute match here. Uh, you have SmackDown, that's what we expect. That's why we were so disappointed in the two women's matches earlier in the night. And uh, we talked about how uh, they ended the show with Rollins. So very, yeah, very lackluster SmackDown. Normally, SmackDown is the best show of the week to me, the one that I looked the most forward to. I thought there were... Th- and, and there are some weeks where we come off of SmackDown and there's not even one segment that we really didn't like or that we really critique. This week, there were four or five things that were just I, I didn't love. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I, we would say hopefully the women get more. But do you think they're going to let they're going to have Zelina and Carmella go 15 minutes? No, no way. So the entire 
I mean, and and we're gonna Shayna Dewdrop. They're gonna go fifteen minutes. No, they'll probably go four or five, and maybe Dewdrop doesn't look horribly weak by losing. Who knows? I'm I'm just assuming it's gonna be Shayna. But I don't like what they've done um, with this with this women's tournament. It's it was basically like, hey, we're gonna have this women's king of the with queen of the ring tournament. Um, let's get some good publicity, and then everything they've done about this since is just like. Hey, the only reason why you're doing this is because the men have a tournament and you wanted to seem like you weren't, you know, favoring <laughs> the men over the women. Because when they do women's royal rumble and other stuff, they give them the fair time. They give them really the fair good. shake. When the women main event WrestleMania, they're in 20 minute matches like the main event should be, you know? But this was this is disappointing. It really was. And yeah. uh you're, you know, if you're gonna do a Queens event, do it separate. Do it at, at another time when this is not going on because it's probably going to get overshadowed anyway, unless you have a fantastic match. Now it just looks, it's it, 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 sorry. It looks, it looks jokish when you have two minute matches, one minute matches and the two Queens matches on raw were not much better on rampage. We talked about the ratings were not very good. They were over 500,000. Um, we talked a lot about rampage a little earlier. Punk had that match with Daniel Garcia. He ends up getting the win there. I mean, it's fine, but Punk just looks a step slow. And I think it's just everybody around him seven years later is way better. The floor for what is an average wrestler is so much higher nowadays than it was in 2010 when Punk was was probably the best wrestler in the world or one of them and was firing on all cylinders and had everything going well with his character. Um, yeah, just a little. Still a little just hasn't connected for me As he picks up the win there Um uh, We got the Lucha Brothers picking up a win Over the Acclaimed There was just nothing that spectacular Jade Cargill got a win over uh, Over Sky Blue And uh, Jade was posting about how She's spending $70,000 on Louis Vuitton Stuff uh, on Twitter Yesterday which is good heel stick Some people sure. are like I don't make that in a year And she's <laughs> And she's just I don't care but in, even even with the uh, with what's to come next week uh, on Friday, Matt Seidel for versus Punk, Ruby versus the Bunny, Inner Circle versus Men of the Year and Junior Dos Santos, and then on Saturday night, Dante Martin versus Malachi Black. We get the Lucha Brothers versus a masked t- tag team with Andrade, like the, for the AAA World Championship. Brian Danielson, Bobby Fish. Um, that's on Saturday. Don't forget about uh, Brian Danielson versus Suzuki. Which is uh, on Friday in that buy-in But I just Nothing nothing on this show Got me that excited Starks, Cage, and the FTW It was fine It's was, it was fine, you know, but just nothing Nothing we haven't really seen before From AEW, right? Yeah. It like, just blends in all together And I, I Look, somebody had a quote The other day And I wish I would have wrote it down so I can give you proper credit to Definitely wasn't me Said look they are a ton Of really Really good wrestlers out there now And some A lot of them are signed And there are a lot of good wrestlers who are not signed So you have to do things now A little differently Character wise on the mic Social media And I think you know Wrapping it around back up to punk I think this is it, it shows his age in professional wrestling. It, it's what have you done for me lately? And we're eventually we'll get that with Brian Danielson. I'm sorry, we will, but he can still go. 
I don't think Punk could still go in those type of matches. No, I, I, you know? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And, and so we'll it's not see. Tune in to see him work on Friday night or Wednesday night to see CM Punk wrestle. I, I think we've seen him too much. Um, and this is maybe if this is something he wants to do, or maybe this is AEW's plan, but there's, I've seen too much of CM Punk now to get excited about CM Punk. What they do with Brock Lesnar and the WWE, now you see why the W, everybody wants to see Brock Lesnar. Him on every week doing, uh, you know, matches, backstage segments, coming to the ring, being at the announce table. He's less special. Thank you. He's less special. And, um, and that's what that's something that the WWE gets gets in themselves in trouble with, like we were just saying with with some of their acts, but they've definitely not done it with Brock, and they do a good job when they do it right. They do it as well as any. That's what frustrates us about the WWE yeah. is that we see them do it well sometimes, and we just go, "Come on, give us a little more of that." As um, you know, I, I we head over to Raw, and okay, some some things that I do like. Big E legitimately feels like the WWE champion. Yeah, he's a he, star. He feels like a main eventer. He feels like a star. And they have done this in just a couple months because Big E was never a main eventer. He was a mid Carter that everybody liked. He feels like he belongs here. Here's my problem this is the exact same thing they do every time with the baby faces, what they're doing with, with Big E and Drew. These two guys that we sort of respect each other a little bit. Oh, no. Now we're going to have to tag up. Oh, wait. They don't get along. Stop <laughs> me if you've heard this one before, Chad. <laughs> two tag team, two opponents teaming together, but they turn on each other and they don't get along. It's just come on. You can be a little more creative than this. I love Drew. I love Big E. I'm sure they'll have a fantastic match. And the work that they did in their match with the Usos, the in ring work is very good. I like both of them. I think they both cut good promos. I think. Like almost all of the work they do is good. It's just why put them in this overplayed trope book storyline that the WWE does all the time. It's it's like come on, you gotta be able to have something a little bit more than this and creative. I think they go the easy way out and what's comfortable with them, the the old WWE playbook, you know, and, and for one match, too. That, that's what this is for, for one match at Crown Jewel. And then Drew's off to SmackDown. You know, that's the thing, and it's, and it's hard to believe. That's why it's hard to get into, it, to, to buy this. If you would have just done something different and just say, hey, look, you know, I, I, before I go to SmackDown, I, I, I need to test myself and... I, you know, I I want a shot at you. It, it don't have to be for the title. I, I, I putting them in a tag team and having this stupid little gimmick, they don't get along. And then you have good work with the Usos to end the night in a long, good match, but no end of the match. It's kind of again a, a crappy ending. These guys should both. I mean, okay, if you want to do something with the Usos, we'll say tonight. Big E's gonna face Jimmy. Drew's gonna face Jay. Get Big E on commentary for the match, but let Drew win that match. Drew should be beating the Uso, one of the Usos, clean. Yes. And then after the match, if they want to have some sort of an interaction, that's fine. Do the same thing later on. When somebody's got a mat, a big match coming up, they need to be booked strong in their matches. Win those matches. Then afterwards, you can have interactions, you can have fights, other stuff. 
I don't like I know it's something stupid and simple But I don't like Biggie or Drew not winning a match a week before they're in a title match with each other for the like one of the biggest com- t- like title in the company. I, yeah, and I don't think it means much for the Usos to lose because it doesn't in, in a singles match, yeah. in a singles match even yeah. or even in that instance. But for Drew to beat Jimmy, that doesn't that does nothing to hurt Jimmy. No, not at all. It's it's a little frustrating because. It's the same thing we've seen over and over And again, these guys have a match And they, you know They have the main event match um, At the end of the night And we get, you know uh, It ends up with a, what, a DQ, a count out The Usos end up winning by count out Because at the end of the match Drew and Biggie, you know, start getting into it And the ref counts them out So They end up looking like stupid baby faces It's like, come on I, I don't love there's people that I don't get along with that I've had to work with before. And you know what you do? You suck it up. You you do your work. And then after you bitch and you moan and you scream and you talk <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like you just you're an adult about it. And it's like these guys can't even get work together to, to get a match. Now they hate each other this much, even though they're not. I, it just it bothers. It always leaves a bad taste in my mouth when they do that same thing. They, we saw it with Rhea. We saw it with Charlotte. We saw it with Charlotte and Oscar. We see it. All the freaking time when it's not heel baby face. When it's when it's two like tweeners or two baby faces, they always do this. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Um, yeah, the only time they didn't do that is Bianca and Sasha, correct? Well, no, they I, even did it then. They, remember? they did that then. They did. And they we did. got mad because uh Bianca got rolled up. I did. That's and it. we couldn't believe right. it that she got rolled up. Yeah, no, you're right. (laughs) We tried and we couldn't even find one. That is, that's crazy. But um, Edge and Edge and Seth. That's Edge and Seth. There you go. Edge and Seth. There you go. Edge and Seth. Edge and Seth is it. I don't know if Brock and Roman have had a. a (laughs) Yeah, we're not getting tag matches then. Oh, we're not getting Usos. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Is uh, we um, okay? So lot of lot of things I didn't like on the show. The one thing I do like on the show is how they are they're giving Xavier a little push here because yes. Xavier's always talked about how this was really important to him winning the king of the ring was a big deal and you know what he can win he cannot but I like that they at least address that that's it's very easy to do Xavier's talked about this for years that he was a big fan of the king of the ring it's one of the things that got him into wrestling he really wanted to do it and so they're making that part of the story and Hey, I would love Ricochet to be winning this match, but we've always been consistent in saying if you're going to give me Ricochet on TV week in and week out and let him go out there and do what he does best and wrestle, I'd rather have that than not see Ricochet at all and have him be on main event. Even if he's losing matches like this, I'd much prefer seeing Ricochet out there. These guys had a really good match. It was a lot of fun. Both of them, you could tell, took this match seriously. I think Ricochet... Is just trying to steal the screen Anytime he gets a minute of TV time And Xavier can tell that this is like This is a big moment for him This is one of the bigger singles Kind of moments that he's probably ever had And it it just It made sense with him going over I know some people are not going to like that Because there are a lot of Ricochet fans out there But uh, this is solid This is what you normally see on Smackdown We're not used to seeing these I'm sorry, we're not used to seeing a lot of these matches on Raw and this uh, this set the tone for the show uh, as far as in-ring time. And it really 
we didn't get much after that. Um, I'm looking at some things again that, that doesn't make sense, but to kick off the first match on Raw, you, you don't get any better than this. This is really, really good. And Xavier wins with the uh, the when he walks across the top rope and he hits that flying elbow for the W. Xavier Woods moves along. We go backstage. It's Orton and Riddle, and um, they've cooled off a bit, they, right? Uh, they just they don't feel nearly as hot as they were, and I don't know what it why it is, and maybe it's like. I think some of it's the way that they're having Randy play. Like Randy's not playing the same guy he played before. He's not either like having fun with with Riddle or making fun of him. He's just kind of being like, uh-huh, whatever, whatever. It's not. I don't know. There's not. There's a little something they're missing. So maybe they're getting ready to turn to have these guys turn on each other. I think a few weeks ago they got hurt a little bit by. By moving that title match to Raw and, and having Randy wrestle Lashley on Raw And then when Big E cashed in afterwards It sort of kind of shuffled it, it, it was obviously very good for Big E But it shuffled Riddle and Orton down a little bit They were sort of in that main event picture with Lashley And, and now they kind of had to throw them back in with Almost and AJ Which is fine, but we just saw them Right feud. Just saw this feud So it's, you know, we saw an, uh, an Omos Riddle match And and, you know It it wasn't anything special And Omos gets the win Um, Post match AJ comes in and he looks like he's going to put a Styles Clash on But um, Orton with an RKO Out of nowhere So he does end up making the save And him and and Riddle head backstage But I'm, I'm just I'm less interested in this and these guys Than I was a few weeks ago Which was a bummer They were when they won those tag team titles and they came out in open raw, they there were a few episodes of raw that were built solely around them and they were the most overact on the show. Yeah, even even when Orton kind of disappeared a couple of times during this, we, when he came back, it felt good, but over the last couple of weeks, something is just uh there's been a dis- detachment. It, it's not as cool anymore and it's not Riddle and Orton I think it has a lot to do with AJ and Omos again. We're getting that match again at Crown Jewel, for God's sake. I mean, seriously, I, I'm i not excited about that. Do I care about that match? Absolutely not, because I've seen it so many times. Not just the tag match, but we've seen two different versions of the singles match of those two. AJ and Orton, AJ and uh, and Riddle, you know, Omos Riddle, Omos and I just, ugh. This uh, not I didn't I don't like this I don't like this. Uh, disappointing for two guys that were very very over not long ago. Um, and this one was weird. Okay, so Mustafa and Mansoor versus Cedric and Shelton. Cedric and Shelton get the win after the match. Mustafa and Mansoor are you know starting to get into it. Um, Ali gets mad. He walks away, and we're gonna have a match between these two with Saudi Arabia. The the timing just the, the way they did their their run was weird. Yeah, it felt like right as they were starting to get a little bit of momentum, then they just lost a couple matches in a row, and now we're gonna break them up and they're gonna have a match. If this was always the end game for these two guys to have a match at Crown Jewel, then I don't understand. It's just like the flow of what they were doing just felt a little bit off to me. But I mean. We'll probably uh, we'll probably get Mansoor for his uh, his yearly victory, right? 
He won, yeah. he won the greatest Royal Rumble. He <laughs> beat Cesaro over there. I pretty, I think he's beaten. Yeah, he's had some big wins over there in uh, in Saudi Arabia. I think he's got to go three and zero here. <laughs> I think without a doubt, this is some chalk. Uh, Mansoor is chalky here. <laughs> yeah, he's got to be. Um, just, just kind of strange. Um, okay, this of the first round matchups of the Queen's Crown was one that I, I didn't mind because. I mean, Shayna is a badass and you're building her that way And so for Shayna to squash people Throughout this tournament That makes sense at least Like she you've, is already, the... you've already crapped on Dana Brooke right? It's obvious uh-huh. that she has been made of a joke So continue the trend Which is crazy She looks so different We've, we've hit on this a few times too She looks like a completely different person Than she was a year ago Like her, her, her whole body type is different And she's in I mean in, in a In a Good way she's in fantastic shape She's really thin She Her body type because and maybe that's just What it was because she was a, a power lifter right Right so right. maybe it was just more of How she was tra- how she trained For years and years for that versus Now she's probably not training for Bulk anymore nope. you know you Train way different she slimmed way down so Maybe that's just what it is but she actually yeah, definitely Looks uh, quite a bit different she looks great But they didn't give her much here Shayna gets the win quickly And uh she moves along as Charlotte's backstage. She big. I don't care about anything. I don't care about this. I don't care about Sasha, Bianca. I don't care about Becky or the Queen's Crown or SmackDown Women's Championship. <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. Just Charlotte just crapping on everything and everyone backstage. Um, yeah. Uh, we talked about Riddle and uh, Omos there with Omos getting the win. Randy coming out afterwards. Oh, we get a uh, Goldberg and Lashley more on their feud. So we we checked in a little bit and uh, and and saw what happened last week. And now Lashley's in the ring. He talks about why uh, he made the challenge for no holds barred. He said Goldberg threatened my life. Last week. <laughs> yes, he, he did. did. He did. He absolutely did. There was lots of murder being thrown around on <laughs> on television. And I hope you got a living will, Lashley. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Um, he says there will be no misunderstandings because Goldberg can't beat the Almighty, can't hurt the Almighty, and damn sure can't kill the Almighty. He drops the mic and he walks off. I thought this was pretty good from Lashley. Yeah, you know, he's not really a promo guy. Normally, it's MVP that cuts his promos, but this is the kind of promo you get from him because a lot of guys that don't ha- that can't cut great promos, um, they may not be able to cut the come out and do a twenty minute open raw segment. But most people, if you give them purpose and if you give them like a topic, they can still hit their points. You know, like he's got a match to build. He's he's talking about an old man who tried to kill him last week. You know, he just ha- he had some. <laughs> Some things to discuss and he just said you're not gonna beat me So um and he looks really good Like he looks like a star He really what, does What you do know? you think uh, the over under is on his match With Goldberg next Thursday Now Is the sun gonna be there I, He keeps talking about him, it Right like he's got it Is the sun there And is like the hurt business comes out Or does the sun do something To help Goldberg win that match that's you know, what I have a feeling does that he, happens. Lashley slips on a banana peel, you know, because he's trying to go after Gage again, you know, right. to piss off Goldberg, and then Goldberg gets him from behind, and Lashley loses. And I don't like that, but 
I, I, I don't like Lashley losing to Goldberg, but it's not for the title. I don't like Goldberg's not winning the title one. It's like a no DQ match in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel to so it's not like there are I could I could talk myself into not hating it if they just go three or four or five minutes at the most hard hitting something weird happens Gage tries to get involved and then Goldberg wins if that's what ends up happening or if they just have Lashley win of course like I'm okay with that but I don't make him look stupid no, don't have this thing no. go ten minutes no just don't. Whatever we saw, what happened last time? Goldberg had a long match in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it did not go well for him or for takes um, at all. So we we move along to Jeff Hardy, Austin Theory, and Austin Theory gets the win here. As um, hey, he looks like someone that they're at least interested. This is how you start with a new person, right? This is better than what they did with Karrion Cross, better than what they've done with Tony Storm, better than what they've done with a lot of people that they bring up. At least the first few times we see him or we see them in the ring, they're not on their back. <laughs> I, I, look, man, uh, <laughs> I, I like Austin Theory, you know, um, Hang on, hang on. I, I just got to cl- collect my thoughts here, Gino. I just, wrestling is such at a, it, it, we're, t- we're at a time in professional wrestling, Gino, that a lot of the guys that we looked up to as like the Hardy Boys, you know, uh, if for, even CM Punk, I know we brought him up. It just, you know, Matt Hardy is basically irrelevant, right, in AWE. Uh, is it time for the? Is there a spot in professional wrestling for the Jeff Hardys, the Matt Hardys of the world? What, what without being embarrassed or without getting what? What is your take on? And I know this is off. It just I'm a I was a massive. I'm a big tag team guy. I grew up with the Road Warriors. I know they were the Legion of Doom in WWE. Um, I was just a big, big tag team guy. Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, the Hardy Boys. It's, it's just, it's, it's kind of sad now to see where some of this is going. Because I don't know what kind of push. I don't know what Jeff Hardy going to SmackDown is going to accomplish. I don't, I don't think he gets a run at a title. Um, what's the Intercontinental title? Is that over there now? Um, Nakamura. This, yeah. yeah. Nakamura. Some Jeff Hardy Nakamura matches would be okay. It's just, it's kind of disheartening what's it happening. Is. No, you're right. It, it is. And, it's, and like, it's, 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 it's like, it's sad. It's like, it's when, when your family tells you, like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You know, it's kind of like, that's where you feel yeah. with Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of yeah. like, oh. just, and I no, like Austin Theory. Me too. But them having a two minute match or whatever it is, it's just, it doesn't and it's do, nothing against Jeff Hardy. It's just, no, it doesn't it, do, and it, it does. Hard, it's better than Theory losing, but it doesn't yes. do yes. as much for him as it could do if you have him and Jeff have a really good 10-minute match. Sure. Show us what Austin Theory can do in the ring and then have him cheat to win, you know, and be slimy or whatever he's going to do. But I know it's just even the things that I I enjoyed on this show, they, they could have been a little bit better. Um, we get Jinder Kofi in a fine match, you know, like – 
Gender's fine. I think you and I are both. You like gender. I'm higher on sure. gender than a lot of people are. You know, and sure. in in the ring, opposite of someone who can go, gender's fine. I was a little surprised with the result of this, and now it almost makes me think that gender is going to win next week <laughs> and beat Xavier because maybe they want gender to win this thing in Saudi Arabia. Sure. You know, but everybody saw the bracket. Gender <laughs> was getting pinned. In weeks leading up all the time Like they were protecting Veer and Shanky More than they were protecting Jinder In the tag matches and stuff And now he beats Kofi in this match I mean we all just assumed It was going to be Xavier Kofi And of course they don't do that They zig when we all thought they were going in a different direction So um, Jinder gets the win He's going to face Woods next week And it's going to be the winner of Jinder versus Xavier Versus the winner of Finn Balor Versus Sami Zayn As your uh, your final for the king of the ring, poor Kofi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Man, if Kofi was in this film. in the spot, it would be fine. The final four, I'd feel pretty pretty solid about. Like, it'd be like, oh yeah, that makes those make sense, and that's cool. But yeah, Kofi just is. Uh, you Kofi almost is. feel like there's going to be a heel turn coming at some point with the way that that he's been shoved down. Not one. He doesn't really mention what happened with Lesnar all that much, or with Lashley, you know, and it's just. Gosh, it's a bummer because it I would we would have loved to see that Xavier versus uh, they could have had a really fun fifteen minute match on Raw that I think a lot of people would have been really intrigued in in seeing, especially if you you announce hey we're Raw is starting off with Xavier versus Kofi that's intriguing to me even if you don't like them that's intriguing to me even if you're tired of the New Day them two going at it a ten to fifteen minute match fantastic. We get to Sasha and Bianca versus uh, Becky and Charlotte, and this is what we were talking about earlier: is these four do great things in the work. They're all uh, great work in the ring. They're all, you know, having a, a really good match, and it just it ends in a no contest. <sighs> Bianca turns on Sasha, and it's at, at least this wasn't the main event. That's True. what I will say. At True. least this wasn't something they built up to be the main event because they put it in the middle. But you just got to be careful, you know. Like, this could have been another instance where I would have much preferred to see all four of these women in individual singles matches throughout the night against somebody else that they're that they're better than. That's fine. Give me five minutes, you know. Give me Bianca versus you know uh, versus Eva Marie. Give me saw like anything is better than. Where you go 15 minutes and it, it ends up Nothing um, Just just a, like a bad Monday Night Raw a lot Back after two or three really really good ones um, Dewdrop Natalia Again Really quick match Like Natty has been She's not the face of your division But Natty has been Someone who's been in your division and so consistent For so long Why don't you let her have a five minute match here with Dewdrop Five <laughs> minutes it doesn't what's, like what's interesting ah, is I think that match is the longest of the four matches that we saw. Three yeah, minutes? Three minutes. Take uh, that. I mean, Digest that. That's that's what sucks. You know? Um then you follow it up with some weird backstage Morrison, Rhea. What the hell was that? He was doing yoga? <laughs> I mean, I did what what was he doing? I don't even know. He was like meditating. A few weeks ago he's got the drip stick, and now he's like Meditating? Just bring uh, up Frankie Monet and get. I, I did see that 
God, God love her that she did get her first WWE t-shirt, even though I, I don't know if she's done an NXT or not, but they did give her a t-shirt, you know, just bring her up with Morrison yeah. and let them do something. I don't know how long Miz is going to make it on Dancing with the Stars, but we still have that to finish, you know, Miz and Morrison, you know, they have to finish their little deal, but you know, we all said we wanted Morrison and Frankie versus Miz and, and misses, so I'll take that. But Let's just weird there. stuff, man. Just, just weird little segments, and that yeah. was weird. I mean, at least at least with Dewdrop and with Shayna, this was something that they teased. Yes, yes. You know, like and and Dewdrop feels like with her size, she's at least someone that can stand up to the bully of Shayna. Right. Shayna is strong and tough, and so if you're a little smaller than Shayna, she's gonna wrap you up like a pretzel. But Dewdrop feels like someone that could be a good foil to her. I'd imagine Shayna gets the win, but I'm I'm sort of intrigued wh- where they go with these two. I would that just would have been a better final. Yeah, and then you know probably Eva Marie is gonna be on Raw, right? Yeah, Again, yeah. Make Shayna look even weaker. I, I just give me some just give me some substance in these matches after two. Glorified squashes. That's that's all I ask for. If you're gonna do, you know, for SmackDown, you have, have Sasha and Becky, right? Zelina and Carmella, uh, and Naomi and Sonya. And you think w- Zelina and Carmella probably won't go very long. I don't know how long Naomi Sonya will go. Um, you would think it would get some decent time, but it's not going to overshadow Sasha and Becky, which no. we know is going to have a busted ending. So I would. Some interesting last couple of weeks here for they, they're like for booking Raw. themselves into corners because like look at what happens yeah. on this raw again, right? The the two bigger matches that were were promoted were the tag match with the women that ends in a schmoz, and then Drew and Biggie against the Usos, which ends in a count out, and then the guys sort of did didn't really have an ending either. So yeah, I just the I thought after a, a really good month or two. Of strides each week Feels like they took a big step forward last week Backwards this last week And I wonder how much of it has to do with The schedule Crown Jewel coming up And then the, the, the draft How it was They go back to the opposite rosters then So maybe things will feel a little bit better In a few weeks Where everybody kind of is where they're going to be now For the next year on Raw and on SmackDown As we head to NXT uh, No AEW Dynamite this week to talk about So we will finish up uh, with NXT 2.0 And I will say Coop, one place that I never want to go to Is uh, is the parking lot over there Man, that's like the most dangerous place In the world there, the parking lot outside of NXT We had multiple kidnappings On the show Multiple <laughs> kidnappings on the show Man We we've no so Nobody still knows Whatever happened to Uh, uh Kenta years back to Hideki Hideo Itami, you know, who knows whatever happened to him all that time ago. Sami Zayn got attacked out there and now Hit Row gets accosted in the parking lot and two of their members get kidnapped and they're talking about how one of them has already been missing throughout the week. So there was some some stealing going on right off the bat on NXT and Swerve Scott Gets ready for uh said he's gonna be ready for his match later on tonight, uh, later on in the night against uh um uh, Santos Escobar as uh Joe Gacy the snowflake is in the <laughs> ring is in the ring he's a snowflake as uh he had his match with Champa 
his promo was great. The the um so he's having the match with Champa. That's the I don't like that. We talked about it last week no. because I, I like this character. I think he's an I'm just sort of interested in the character. He's a new character. And so I don't I didn't want him to lose to Champa right away. He didn't feel like he was gonna win and, and make his way into that title match. So I don't know if that was the the best thing in the world for him. Although I will say he does look good in the ring. This guy can go. Like he can go in the ring as um and there's someone in the audience named Harland <laughs> who um who who runs over and like starts to attack Joe Gacy, but Joe like touches him on the face. <laughs> it's like it's like he heals him or something. And the guy like runs off. Um, I thought it was funny because the fans are chanting, "Who are you?" Yeah. And, and one time, it, it reminded me of this experience I had in an indie wrestling show where uh, I uh, I would do ring announcing for uh, a couple of the small promotions out here. But one of the, one of the time, the first time I ever did it, they introduced me as a guest ring announcer. But like nobody at the show knows who the hell I am. I was like, "Don't do this," because they're they're like, "No, dude, you're on TV and stuff." I'm like, "Nobody at this show is watching TVG. They do not know who I am." And then the guy's like, "Up next, we've got celebrity guest ring announcer Gino Bacola. and I walk in, and the crowd is chanting, "Who are you? Who are you? Who are you?" And I'm just going, God damn it. Like, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen, but it reminded me of this. I, you know, the, a couple chants this, this, from this week uh, the Who Are You chants and the Geno Sucks chant yeah. that we make it with Geno Smith coming, yeah. up, coming up. Those are chants that I've had in my nightmares for many, many years. <laughs> and they got brought back into my memory within the last week or so. But Chop uh, beats Joe Gacy. And I don't know who the hell. This Harlan guy is It's it's weird but I'm I'm Kind of curious to where they go with Gacy and all this stuff moving forward Well I believe that Harlan Is the, the Parker Boudreaux Character that was Signed um, that, that He went through a couple of Name changes um, uh, In the performance center And NXT uh, I, 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 I like it That's the thing I just don't know If Tommaso has this big match coming up at Halloween Havoc with Braun, and I just don't know where this fits in with Tommaso because Tommaso has to drop the title to Braun Breaker, just has to. There, I, I, but but I do like Harlan and Gacy. I, I this is intriguing. That's why I like these new characters because it gives me some some hope that we're we're gonna get some kind of storyline or something. And, and look, I, I know the rumors out there, NXT doesn't have a plan. They're just going week by week or, or whatever it is. I do like the new characters and I do like new people. And I'm very intrigued with this Gacy character. I, I'm intrigued with, with multiple on this show. They had 10 matches on NXT. Whether they were short or long, they had 10 freaking matches and two kidnappings, two kidnappings. Ten matches, two kidnappings. <laughs> In the last, and there's a pit bull on the loose. We've had murder threats and actual <laughs> kidnapping. What? I don't. I, I don't know what's next. I know it's Halloween month. I thought Dexter didn't start till uh, November. <laughs> the the reboot, but uh, we get a uh, toxic attraction. <laughs> 
I'm into this, man. Week, I am very curious when they do the old ground shot up. What is Mandy wearing? <laughs> what, <laughs> yes. Like now, I'm like, okay, what does she have on now? In like the like, uh, trying not to be like a uh, a sleazy uh, old man here, but gee, she looks incredible. She really does. Like, fantastic. Toxic Attraction wants the tag titles, and they want the women's title, so they come out. Um, and, and the promo in the ring, they call, and, and you know what? This was a lot better. This was a yes, lot better was, than just a week or two ago. They're getting better. They're finding their voice. They're not getting quite as lost out there. I thought, I just thought this this sounded better. What did, did Mandy steal the Brit line or the Jade line? She said she's the baddest bitch. <laughs> I like it. Look, I, I think she need, I think she needs the title. I really do. I agree. Uh, I, I like Raquel. Uh, we we are going. It looks like. In a different direction on NXT Not that Raquel's going up or doesn't deserve it <clears throat> I think she's been a Just a An okay champion I, I think Dakota Kai maybe uh, Comes out and tries To save her D- Poor Dakota Kai who's one of my favorites I don't know where the hell she's at Or what she's been Or maybe she's wanted time off I wouldn't think so at this time in professional wrestling Especially at a the draft time, but maybe they just don't have anything for. But man, they they NXT 2.0 sure does love toxic attraction, and I'm all for it. I hope they get all the gold. I hope they get all. I agree. I think they need to. I think they're new. They're interesting. And they're 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 different, right? Because they sort of stand out a little bit in a world where there's a lot of really good women's wrestlers. Yes. They're a group that's that's a little bit more character based, and it's not that they're bad in the ring at all. They're just Mandy's just improving a little bit to be she's got to improve just a little bit to be a main eventer with some of the women on the main roster, but she can absolutely win this title, bring Raquel up, and um yeah, maybe she wins the title and maybe we see Raquel show up at the Royal Rumble, you know, something like that. Yeah, we're not even that far away from it now. No, we're not thinking about it. We're talking when you got post the posters are already leaking. Yeah. Uh, We're we're close. We're We're a couple months. So maybe we get something with Raquel, Mandy, and then uh, if Raquel loses and she's done with that feud, maybe, yeah, that would be great to see her show up at the Rumble. Uh, Zion Quinn beats uh, Malik Blade. Ivy Nile beats uh, Valentina. So a couple basic squashes really here. Uh, Quinn looks pretty impressive. And, and man, I thought the whole presentation of the Diamond Mine stuff over the last month has Every week it just seems better And yes. like yes. more intriguing At the beginning we had said Oh man I'm just not interested in this at all But they brought in the Creed brothers And that sort of helped elevate Roderick a little bit Bivens is really good on the mic And then Ivy Nile She's an imposing looking woman She's an athletic freak uh, I like the group They got the coach in there now too I kind of like the pieces of their group yeah, I like it. Uh, and Bivens, there's a pit bull on the loose. I, I, I like the look. Um, you know, as much as a lot of people have crapped on NXT, there are some good things to like. And, uh, it, you know, regardless, stop trying to figure out what's what's happening next. Just enjoy the moment a little bit with some of these guys and girls. I, I mean, it's different. We're not trying to be a, you know, NXT is not trying to be AEW. AEW definitely is not trying to be WWE. Just, just kind of enjoy it a little bit with having to say we're better than you, blah, blah, this. Look, man, I, 
at the end of the day, I think a majority, look, there's heat in every locker room, right? There just is. There's heat, there's heat on movie sets. Uh, there's heat in offices. But a majority of these workers at the end of the day are, are, are pretty much friendly with everyone. They, I, I mean, look, we've got people dating and married that work for two different companies. Just take it in a little bit. If you don't like it, just then don't watch it. Then don't watch it. I, I people have the gall to s- just start tagging people on Instagram or oh, and, yeah. and Twitter and like, hey, look, at so and so sucks. You suck. And it's just like, what? Man, holy cow. Yeah. The, the, not a fan of that. Am a fan of the Diamond Mine Absolutely. and Ivy Nile. Julius Creed looked really good. And I thought yeah. Heroes, I like Hero. Hero, him in yeah. Hero. He's a yeah. great. He will be on the main roster chasing that 24-7 title around at some point, right? I mean, like, and he'll have it, and then he'll come out. He'll have it on, and then he'll come out with the jacket and, like, flash and just show the title. You know, like, he's going to flash us. I, like, I love how he rocks, like, the jacket, and then he comes. It's He's a good, low, like, lower part of the card baby face to come out. People love him. They're going to cheer for him, and he can take. Pins every single week and it'll never Matter um, <laughs> It's great and then you got Kushida coming out To make the save post match when the diamond mine Was trying to really uh to really go to town On him so Julius Creed looks Good Ivy Nile looks good Raquel except Except uh, Mandy's challenge for Halloween Havoc so we know that that match Will be set as uh We got to Lashing out with Lash Legend And uh this this one felt a little more forced. I think I like the idea of it. Um, they got to find her voice a little, a little bit more, and maybe they got to be a little edgier with things too. In something like this, if she's just doing like a a recap of like, did you see the draft? You know, I did. It's it's going to be kind of boring. It's yes. funny when she gets when she gets a little a little more into it. Even when she talked trash to Tony, told him to forget about it. You know, uh, that so. I like the idea with this, but it, it definitely needs some some um, some shop work, and it needs to be. They got to work through this, you know. If that's what they're going to keep doing in the future, that leads to a, <clears throat> her crossing over, which eventually it has to. You would think to her getting to the ring. Yeah, she needs to get more. Uh, it, it, look, if we're going to get saucier and edgier on on Tuesday nights on NXT, let this segment let her talk about some of these guys and girls, and let her put some. Some interesting spin to it, which leads to a uh, a feud or storyline. But this one did not feel as good as last week's. One hundred percent agree with you. Matt. Nope. We got the intro for the Von Wagner Kyle O'Reilly versus Dunn and Holland match, and then I laughed out loud at Andre Chase University. I was literally. He was telling people to f off all over the place. He was, ju- I was, like, I just didn't see that part coming, you know. And he just beep beep, and they're just throwing in the beeps as he's, at- and then he gets back up at the very beginning. He- he's like this bipolar teacher, you know. Basically, <laughs> it's it's pretty funny, you know. I again, it's some of these these new gimmicks that they're trying out. They're rough around the edges, but you can see some brilliance in some of them, you know. And this is one that I I don't know if it's if it's him as the performer or the gimmick, but there's something there that they can pull out of that that I like that makes me laugh at least. And it feels a little bit different, you know, than than what we see all the time. If you wondered what the 
the the big personas and the characters back in the late 80s early 90s of wwf wwe was this this is this is about as close as you get because this gimmick you either love it or you hate it if, if you don't like this stuff you, it, it's really a turn off but i love it that's what i grew up in and i love this dude i don't care if he loses every week i just need to see him on my tv every week just just being it's just different it is it's different you don't expect this to be on tv at all i mean i don't know where this character fits in you know where any of this i just love the gimmick man i love that say i don't know how they're gonna shoehorn this in but i'm i'm curious with it it's it's intriguing it makes me laugh a little bit as uh Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly get the W over Dunn in Holland. Holland gets pinned. He's on his way up. He's actually been drafted. And sure. you know what? I I like him a lot. I like his look. But the more and more, the the thing I didn't realize about him is how small he is. Yeah, he is small. Like he looks exactly like Brock Lesnar face, but like the way his body is built. But he is not even close to the size of what of like a legitimate main eventer on the main roster is. So I'm curious. What what they do with him when he comes up soon um, But Von Wagner Is someone that they're high on obviously and, and he looks fine in the ring like he's He's a big young dude I think he's what Wayne Bloom's Son the Beverly brothers Yeah right um, yeah. and look you You were you nailed Holland In the very beginning uh, I, I give you 100% full Credit you 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 said he was A guy that would be on the main roster Sooner rather than later And the damn guy got drafted of all things so. Really surprising yeah well, yeah. So you had the Spot they, on there They got some plans for, for him Vince and I were hanging out at the pool um, You know booking and, uh, <laughs> and, and talking about stuff and, uh, and so those are one of the things That Vince took my advice on there With, uh, with, uh, with Holland And Tony <laughs> D'Angelo <laughs> Is furious Because he was outside The last legend show and one of the producers Said that they had a, a Scheduling conflict and you know what Tony D'Angelo doesn't deal well With scheduling <laughs> conflicts You know what I'm saying Coop So he's outside he's not happy about that You saw what he did last week And he put his opponent Under 10 feet Under with the fishes Sleeping with the fishes Oh my gosh this is great He's pissed he's outside he's standing in front of his car And he's talking <laughs> about the producer And he goes on he says yeah I had a great debut This and that he says oh you you want Lash Legend? You're gonna want me on your show soon too. Blah blah blah. He does. He does a forget about it. And then, as he walks away, you see the trunk of the car shaking, and you hear a noise. So he's he's got the dude in the trunk. Kidnapped <laughs> someone. He's got the producer of the Lash Legend show in the freaking trunk of the car. Um, just uh. We're watching. This is a two-hour pro wrestling show, Gino, that we're watching. And this look, I, I'm for the. I'm in this. Look, me too. I'm not a brand guy. I, I am for for electronic stuff. I, I'm a brand guy. I, I'm. I, I am. Uh, WWE, AEW. I, I'm not a brand guy just because I drew. I, I grew up watching. You know, I, I grew up watching everything. But this, I'm for the. I'm in. It's, it's, it's entertaining and I'm it curious is. where they're going. Even even next, it's like Duke Hudson and, and Grayson Waller and Duke beats Grayson and he's got his poker chips out there in his hand. 
<laughs> he's just like the poker guy now. Who knows what like where they go with this guy? And then Grayson Waller is backstage and he's like flirting with with chick with girls and and now he's gonna help Cameron Grimes find out how to get a girl. He's showing Cameron Grimes online dating. It's just sort of interesting. Like I want to see Grimes going out on dates with these girls now. Do you let me? We were high on Grimes. Million Dollar Bell. This was fantastic. Uh, look, we have a week with no LA night. We're kind of wondering, you know, is he moving up? Um, are you okay with? We were high on Cameron Grimes in the ring doing all this. Are you okay with Grimes going back down the ladder somewhat and doing this? Are you okay? I'm only, with this? I'm only okay with it if he's on our TV quite a bit, and if it's not as if it, when he gets back into a feud. Or even if you insert him in a feud while he's doing this, he's still towards the top of the ladder, which I think he is. I think in NXT he's still towards the the top. But I I I know what you're saying. It I don't want him to just become a comedy sketch character because he can go. Yes. He can go, and then if he if he ends up becoming that, they won't treat him as seriously in the ring. I want there to still be both because you you hit it. For a while that there was a two month span Where that was the best thing going on any Wrestling show for me the million dollar belt Gimmick so I'm actually Just if we get a few weeks Of something like we got with that Of like each week he's on a date with a different girl Or like you know he's on These like awful dates And and we see him (laughs) trying out different Hairstyles and different You know uh, wardrobe (laughs) stuff I'm I'm Kind of curious I think that could be fun But again I don't want it to go on for two months Maybe three or four of them and then Have it lead to the ring Which they did a really good job of last time They did, they did, a, they did. They, they, We were worried about how were they going to Kind of tie it back to the ring And they did with the DiBiase LA Knight stuff So so I uh, We'll keep our fingers crossed with Grimes Who I, I thought was uh, was Really funny here um, So yeah Duke Hudson gets the win Over Grayson Waller uh, Indy and Persia get the win over Saray. How about Saray? They made a big deal on just nothing. Oh, she's. Oh, I, I wonder if they feel like they maybe just sort of like you were saying with the draft pick because they've connected so well with with Oscar, Kyrie Sane, Eo. Um, you know, a lot of the females that they've got from from Asia have done really well from Japan, from China, the ones that they brought over, and so she just has not connected. Um, but we did get Indy and Persia calling out Zoe and EO. They want the tag team titles. And then, God, as soon as EO and Zoe come out, I just start going, oh, Zoe, please don't talk. Because as soon as she starts, she goes, wait, let me guess, EO, you don't like me, right? Ha, ha, ha. You know, it's just, <laughs> I don't, I just, I feel bad. Because once they wrestle, I'm fine. But anytime Zoe, she just, she gets, that, I got that go away heat with the character that she's trying to play. Um, so it looks like we're going to probably have, I'd imagine a, a triple threat between these three women's tag matches, t- tag team, probably at a Halloween Havoc. Yeah, and, and we probably, uh, for the better, need need to see a a, a title change here. Absolutely. This Zoe and Eo just have been worse than local community theater. You know, it's just you know, like your high school theater uh, putting on a. Production and I was in a couple of those, so I know how bad some some of it could be, and it's just felt it's felt awkward. Their in ring in ring work is spectacular, but it's just it's something that needs to be divorced right away. And uh, look, just give it all to 
to, to toxic attraction, let them run with it. And I think this is a perfect time for a lot of titles to change in in Halloween Havoc uh, in two weeks. Uh, this would be the one, I, you know, Indy, Persia, Persia's, you know, I'm okay. The jury's still out for me on Persia. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I don't dislike her, but I don't know. Like, Indy's fine. Like, Indy's good in the ring, too. Yeah, you know, okay she's, yeah. she can go. Um, they should have a good match and some new blood getting in the uh, the the tag the women's tag team title picture. As uh, I thought, the main event match was really good. Yeah, Swerve yeah. Uh, Swerve is able to beat Escobar, and even though Hit Row is not around, when Legado del Fantasma comes out, it was actually Carmelo and Trick who come out to help Swerve, and Swerve's able to retain the title. And I thought I thought they did this really well too. They come out, they help him, and then you kind of forget for a moment uh, that he's got that folder. You even see the folder sort of drop on the floor. And I like, completely forgot about it. Yeah, so he dropped. Worked. He dropped it, and I don't know if I even knew that you could cash this in like a money in the bank. Me neither. You know, this is the first I've heard of it. And so I, I actually I thought it was a really kind of cool thing to do. It, it was a, a buzzworthy and coming out of this show. Carmelo is your new NXT North American champion. We all thought that he was going to lose it to Santos because Hit Row is moving up, but instead it's on Carmelo, who is very good in the ring. He's still definitely green and rough around the edges on the mic, but I, I thought this was a, a pretty cool way of doing this. It, it was, and I, I was perfectly fine with the ending. I, I was quote-unquote swerved, worked Playing words here, I because we all thought Escobar was winning the title, right? Absolutely. You know, just and then we're like, hmm, man, they've really dumped on Escobar here lately. I, and then the way they do it, I'm perfectly fine with it. I really am. Um, let's, let's hope for the best with Hit Row uh, up on the main roster. Um, they did as, as good as they could. I thought they, you know, when they when they got Hit Row together. I thought that gave uh, Swerve, who has always been a really, really good, uh, a talented indie wrestler. I thought when he signed with w, uh, WWE and NXT that he would finally get that moment. And I think he found his place with Hit Row, and it elevated him. And I think the uh, the storyline with uh, with with everyone involved and what they did with Hit Row, I just hope that momentum carries over on the on the main roster. We'll see what they do with him. It was uh yeah a different a different wrestling week this week as we uh, are recording this early Thursday we'll have uh, SmackDown and Rampage we'll see what that's going to be like in uh, in on FS1 and we got the buy-in for AEW with the Brian Danielson Suzuki match and then just next week it's Crown is it Crown Jewels on Thursday right is that it Thursday. is it next week? Hey, Thursday yeah, day so. And and we'll talk. So maybe I'll figure it out. Maybe we'll do something because it wouldn't really make sense to record. Because by the time you and I would record that pay per view, is literally going to be right after it. Like I think right. I said, like we it might even be during the time we might record. So yeah, maybe we'll talk. Maybe we'll figure something out because we wouldn't even know what the hell happened in that show by the time we finished recording and put the episode out. So <laughs> We'll either do it maybe right. a day early or maybe we'll go a little after. Who knows? We'll figure it out because the schedule is going to be different with with Crown Jewel. But uh, keep it keep that in mind, folks. When um, when you're at work or whatever during the week next week, it's going to be Crown Jewel during the day on Thursday. Koopaloop, my man, you've been doing really well with your uh, with your football plays that you've been dishing out. 
so far, you Kent got anything State, this week? Fighting, yeah, I'll give you two real quick. Uh, Friday night, I'll give you one. Clemson minus 13 and a half uh, at Syracuse. Clemson, I don't think it's covered at all this year. And Syracuse, I won on last week on a, a little small play I did. You're getting double-digit points. Syracuse, who's, I believe, covered at home all this year. They're tough in the dome. Uh, Clemson is just not the Clemson of old. I, I'm sorry, guys. And, hey, look, I'm a firm believer this year in the Big Ten. Finally, of all years in college football, I think the Big Ten have more ranked teams in the top 12 than any other conference. And I'm jumping on the Michigan State bandwagon a little bit. I kind of fought them earlier against the year. They're going on the road. Uh, They're undefeated and ranked at Indiana. And they're only giving four and a half points. Indiana, who has just been a bust after last season, their quarterback's hurt now. I'm going with the Spartans here. Spartans minus four and a half, and I'll take Syracuse plus 13 and a half on Friday. Koopa Loop, been making you money each and every week. My man, Chad, thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate uh, you coming on and uh, sharing your wrestling insight and knowledge with us each and every week. And uh, look forward to talking to you uh, next week. We'll see We'll see what happened in these Friday Night Wars this week uh, with, uh, with AEW <laughs> versus SmackDown. Yeah, Monday, uh, I think everyone... Uh, would be okay not watching the shows on Friday and Saturday if we could fast forward to Monday. When, when in a time in wrestling history, would right. you think the fans <laughs> care more on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays and Thursdays at one o'clock? Hey, where are the ratings? Who's We're the ratings? ratings the at? The demo? And they don't even know what any of it means. They just know see that number. And what's funny is, we don't. If somebody could be lying, they could sure. just make make them up. They can make them up for all we and know. We the ratings, like. When we don't, unless we see the Nielsen chart, you have no clue. Sure. But when you hear it, we don't know. It's it's like when no, somebody working on your car and you don't know any about the car and they tell you something about a car, but it's like, what? Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, what a rotator sure. splint? I'll pay 800 for that. Cars have rotator splints? What? <laughs> you know? I just, it's so interesting to just search rate AEW ratings like on a Thursday and you'll see how many people are asking people have you seen the ratings yet for dynamite it's just insane time it's an insane time in wrestling it is Chad Cooper will be talking about this insane time with us each and every week here on that's what G said thank you so much Coop you have a great weekend buddy you got it buddy Folks, do not go anywhere. Make sure to give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Instagram and on Twitter. You can follow along with everything that Chad has going on. Great photographer over there, too. So you can see a lot of Chad's work when he's out covering different events. He does a lot of uh, wrestling photography, too, for a lot of the uh, independent uh, wrestlers who are just about to get signed by big promotions. Give Koopaloop a follow and make sure to subscribe to That's What G Said so you'll get every episode of uh, this and every segment each and every week talking wrestling. Stay tuned, folks. Still plenty more to come. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. A big thank you to Eric for helping us out with the NFL, Alex for talking Lakers with us, and Koopa Loop for talking wrestling this week. Another installment of Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Hope we make you some.